And good morning. It is a Monday edition of GCR. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Coming up on the program today, we're going to actually be talking a good bit of baseball. We're going to head down to Nashville. The winter meetings are underway. Jacob Calvin Meyer is there for the Baltimore Sun covering the Orioles. Will anything happen? Dylan Cease continues to swirl conversations surrounding the Orioles. I don't know what the, um, the uh, Chorio signing means for the possibility of a Corbin Burns trade, but we haven't heard as much about Corbin Burns in the last few days as we have about Dylan Cease. So wonder if maybe the Brewers are thinking about trying to extend this thing and maybe trying to keep Corbin Burns around. I mean, they would have to get that done pretty quickly if that were to be the case. Kind of jealous that the Brewers are able to lock down young players. and The Brewers! The Brewers are able to do that. The team that built the stadium after Camden Yards and already needs a new stadium. Threatening to move. That team able to lock down... I don't want to talk about it anymore, but we'll uh, go to Nashville. We'll talk about uh, what the Orioles may or may not do with Jacob Calvin Meyer. Also, uh, one Orioles free agent that's on the market is Adam Frazier, and he's scheduled to join us a little bit later on uh, in the program. Also today, we will catch up with our buddy Jeremy Kahn and much more. <sighs> Lots to do. Lots to do. I'm very excited about it. Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's going on at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? Sure. I can tell you about the uh, second chance to win drawing that's been going on all football season long. If luck wasn't on your side at a recent bet at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, maybe you've been tailing uh, you know, Jeremy and I, I guess, for, for the last several weeks Yikes! Uh, in football picks. Hopefully you aren't doing that. But if you are, you Yikes. can turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion because between now and January 4th, 2024, all live casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. And then two nights a week, 20 different winners are going to be chosen, uh, and you'll get prizes ranging from live casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour, plus cash and free play worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21 to play. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLE. I don't even know where to start uh, today because we all spent the day, of course, watching football. and uh, like the, It seems like the dumb takeaway is like, great weekend for the Ravens. Well, n- n- no, but yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. Like... I guess if I was worried about the Steelers, then I would be relieved that the Steelers lost a football game. But as I've never been at all concerned about the Steelers, look, it's obviously a better result. We all know that. And it was fun to watch the Steelers get their comeuppance because we all know that the Steelers are frauds. And it was, like, kind of hilarious that it was the Arizona Cardinals of all teams that could prove how fraudulent the Steelers were. It's weird. Maybe it's – maybe, like – not having a quarterback isn't the fault of the offensive coordinator, which isn't to say that I think Matt Canada was great, because trust me, I I don't. But, like, Jesus, dude. No, I definitely don't have a quarterback. Pretend, well, yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't have one before he got hurt. They sure as hell don't have one now. Although, in fairness, I'm not really sure how much of a difference there can possibly be. God. My, my my Steelers fan friend, he, you know, he was losing it. Obviously, he was like, "Oh, this season's over now." And I was like, I sent him back the SpongeBob meme of you know Mr. Krabs, where he's like, "How do we tell him?" 
season was over. Never happened. Several weeks ago. It was never happening. You were never winning anything with Kenny Pickett as your quarterback. That was not going to be a thing. Um, Is he confirmed, by the way, done for... They said they're trying to hold out hope that it's going to be like four weeks and that he'll come back against the Ravens. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. Um, So there's that, right? Like, there is that. Then add on to that the fact that everybody was very excited. The Chiefs lost last night, and that helps the Ravens in the race for the number one seed, which it does. The... The way to word it is the Ravens now control their own destiny for trying to get the number one seed. But the reason why they control their own destiny is only because they have the other two teams with three losses still on the schedule. They still have essentially no margin for error. Like, none. And to the to that end, the Chiefs, it's another not non-conference loss. So if the Ravens were to lose even to the 49ers, which would be a non-conference loss, they would still drop back behind the Chiefs in the race for the number one seed because the Chiefs have fewer AFC losses than the Ravens do. Which, again, doesn't mean it isn't, on paper, it's it's better that the Chiefs lost than if they had won. But I would maybe slow it down a little bit. Like, I would maybe not overreact I would suggest that while, given the options, these were somewhat pleasant outcomes. The Browns, of course, also lost yesterday. That's again, if you thought the Browns were still a threat in the AFC North, and I oh, they are with Joe Flacco. They're not. They're most certainly not. He was making some throws yesterday. He did, including to the other team. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, but he made a lot love, more. Love you, Joe. Love you. Um, I I just didn't. I don't know. I'm not. I don't think things came into to clarity for the Ravens. I think the Ravens' story is still what the Ravens are capable of doing the rest of the way against a brutally difficult schedule that, as everyone has pointed out, is entirely against teams that are currently holding playoff spots starting this Sunday against the Rams, which is probably the easiest game on the schedule unless you know the Steelers have totally given up by the time we get to Week 18. Hell, maybe on paper the Steelers game is easier than this game. At least the Rams still have really good players. The Steelers have T.J. Watt and basically T.J. Watt. Jalen Warren, sometimes. Sometimes. They (laughs) sometimes have Jalen Warren. So I I guess on paper the Steelers is probably the easiest game left on the schedule. But they also did beat you. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I have no clue. But it's what it is. Sure. Good day. Obviously, the the Forty ers thing that was a. You just want to go over picks since we're talking about. Yeah. I guess we should just do it. Like just because we're talking about it right now, we should just go ahead and handle that. All right. Um. Quickly, picks recap from the weekend is brought to you by. Oh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So let me do the NFL games first, just because that's what we were talking about. Uh, Seattle-Dallas on Thursday night, obviously, that one was a much closer game than a lot of us thought that it was going to be. And the only folks that were uh, on Seattle were the Nick Kelly and Jeremy Kahn. So it was a great start to the weekend for Jeremy Kahn. Thought that maybe this might be the week where he finally made his move. Spoiler alert, it was not. 
next on uh, Sunday. Detroit and New Orleans. Jeremy Kahn, a lone wolf on New Orleans, and only lost by one point. This was a goofy game if you didn't weren't following any of this. Detroit got up like 21 nothing, and we were all sitting around yeah, like, like wow, see, this... told you. Told you the Lions were going to bounce back. They only ended up hanging on to win by five points. So they do cover because the line was four, but it was dicey. It was very close. Denver-Houston yesterday. Good good game. Very good game. Came down. Russell Wilson had the ball late with an opportunity to win it for the Broncos. Made a back foot throw under pressure, and it was picked off in the end zone. So the Texans hold on to win by five. They cover the three and a half. We were pretty split on that one. Griffin was on Denver. Not a good week for Griffin. Uh, Kyle Ottenheimer was on Denver. John and Little Rock was on Denver. Ryan Shell was on Denver. And Jeremy Kahn was on Denver. I've never been more wrong about a football game in my life than having faith in Philadelphia. That was not wise. Eagles get hammered. I mean, just rolled over by the 49ers who declare themselves, which a lot of people believed anyway, but like the thing the thing where I said, I don't know, it's kind of weird that we're all anointing the 49ers as being the best team. Yeah, they deserve it. They'll be number one in all the power rankings this week and well-deserved. The 49ers crushed the Eagles. Only myself, Griffin, common theme, and wow. Nick Kelly were on Philadelphia. Rams, uh, uh, Browns, as uh, Griffin alluded to, it was very competitive. Joe Flacco was making some throws early in the game. You're like, huh, this could be interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it didn't, couldn't last. Fortunately, wasn't, fortunately wasn't Sean McVay has Kyron Williams on his fantasy team as well. That's so. right. Well, I mean, that wouldn't have made a difference in getting the cover. Yeah, but, you know, just I'm glad. Because you had Kyron yeah, Williams. Had so Kyron it was Williams. good to late. I'm, late gl- I'm good, good to know that his coach also. Yeah, they added an extra score late. So because of that, uh, the Rams win comfortably. They only needed to cover three and a half. They got that. We were split on that one. The ones on Cleveland were Griffin Bass. It's a common theme. What are you getting at here? Common theme. As well as Kyle Ottenheimer, also John and Little Rock, and Ryan Shell and Jeremy Kahn. Uh, Green Bay, not only covering, but winning outright last night. The officiating the final possession of the game for the Chiefs. Just about as atrocious as anything I've ever seen. From a blatantly missed sideline call where Patrick Mahomes was very much still in bounds. That's not even like, remember last week in the Ravens game, we all thought that probably should have been a late hit out of bounds. But the officials explained, like, no, if you've committed to the tackle, before Justin Herbert went out of bounds, then it doesn't matter if he was out of bounds. Once you've committed to the tackle, the rule says if he's still in, out in, in bounds, you're good. Well, this wasn't just committing to the tackle. This was when the tackle was made, Patrick Mahomes was still in bounds. This was as egregiously missed of a call as you'll see until the next one. <laughs> Was it the next play? No. Well, I don't know if it was the – was it the next? No, I don't think it was yeah. the next play. Then a brutal – I mean absolutely brutal no call on what should have obviously been pass interference downfield. I mean was 10 seconds early. He's climbing all over Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 
I mean, I guess this is what happens when you stink, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, yeah. is you just I cannot mean. get a call. Um, so then, you know, there's that. But they're not done yet. Then, I don't remember if it was, was it Rishi Rice, who was stood up inbounds, shoved backwards out of bounds. And everyone knows if you're moving backwards, then the clock doesn't stop when you go out of bounds. Except for the officials in charge of the action who decided to give the Chiefs the major benefit and stop the clock, despite the fact that it clearly shouldn't have been stopped. It was an atrocious series for the officiating. Which just means it lived up to the standard of excellence set by officials throughout the course of the NFL this season. Just awful. But in the end, I mean, it didn't. Like The result, the Packers beat the Chiefs last night. I mean, they they were absolutely the better team. Um, and the Packers have now beat the Lions and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. That seems good. Like, that seems like the type of back-to-back wins that you like to have. Um, we were split on that one as well. On Kansas City, Jeremy Kahn. Also Nick Kelly. Also Ken Zalas. Also John Proctor. And once again, also Griffin Bass. Jeez. Jeez, that guy. That guy. <laughs> Not too good. I probably better, better start scoping out tickets. Just got to make sure I'm just, I just got to stay at the FanDuel Sportsbook at a live casino. Yeah, yeah, right. Because right, you are scooping up losers. Oh, yeah. So that was, uh, that's, uh, that's what I have to say about the NFL slate. The college thing, obviously, was the story of uh, the, the, the weekend, if you will. The three games that we picked, uh, Washington, nine-and-a-half-point dogs to Oregon. I did not get it. I thought that was insane. Not because I knew that Washington was going to win the game, but just because that never made a lick of sense. Amazingly, it's one of like the only games that Griffin got right all weekend. Knew it. Uh, Washington wins outright. They uh, win the Pac-12 there in the playoff. Myself, Griffin, John Proctor, John Little Rock, and Ryan Chell were all on Washington. Um, the SEC thing, I'll save that for a second. Uh, Michigan, Iowa. Boy, we had to sweat this one out. Damn. We had to sweat this bad boy out. Could have used that one. Iowa <laughs> didn't bother to score, which, again, was kind of what I expected. But Michigan struggled to get past 22. They really they made it interesting for quite some time. In the third quarter, it was only like 10 nothing. I'm like, what the F is going on here? It's Iowa football, baby. Yeah, they, they didn't cover they had 22 points, and they yeah. couldn't cover. Uh, Griffin, Paul Valley, and John Proctor decided to be with the Hawkeyes. Uh, only Ken Zalis and Ryan Shell were on Alabama in the SEC championship game. Obviously, not only did they cover the five, but they won outright. So, for the week, no one finished better than 6-3, and three, but a lot of us finished at 6-3. and three. Andrew Stecka, Ryan Shell finished at 6-3, and three, as did Ken Zalis and myself. At five and four, we find Paul Valley, John Proctor, John and Little Rock, Nick Kelly. Four and five for Kyle Ottenheimer. Yikes! At the bottom of the table, three and six for Jeremy Kahn. But remarkably, he did make up ground <laughs> because Griffin, who I think has won like a total of ten games over the last two months, it's not true. It's not I far off. In there. I had five wins last week. Sure. I did. I think everybody else had eight. <laughs> Griffin. I have ten wins over the last three weeks. Oh, okay. okay. Make sure you get your... Yeah, get my facts right. Yeah. Griffin went two and seven. So now, Griffin is staring up at 500. It's, hey, can you guys 
You guys see me up there? At 500. Griffin, 58 and 63. So uh, the good news for Griffin is 21 games clear of Jeremy Kahn. Jeremy is just not, not making this competitive, unfortunately. The bad news for Griffin is he's now four games behind both Paul Valley and Ryan Shell in the race to be Scott Stapp. So, again, the loser-loser, which is almost certainly Jeremy Kahn. There's not really any drama there. Uh, Jeremy's going to have to go take an Irish dance lesson, come in and perform it, wear the Notre Dame mascot uniform. I don't even know where he's going to get that. Also has to uh, track, maybe, <laughs> for sex reasons. Uh, also has to track down, well, no, uh, Tim from Bel-Air will take care of the blood sausage, the haggis, the tripe, and the Will Levis Irish coffee because he is a mensch. Also, um, he'll need to perform uh, Nothing Compares to You and Zombie. But Griffin in great danger of having to go to a Creed concert by himself next summer. Not there, nervous. No? Yeah. I would be if There's I were you. There's plenty of time left. There is. It could get worse. <laughs> no. It could get worse. Now, uh, Bowl Mania is coming up. This is true. my... I, I maintain a one-game lead over KZ atop the table. Two games clear of Nick Kelly, John in Little Rock, and Andrew Stecka. Four games in front of John Proctor, Kyle Ottenheimer, five games back. Closer to – no, still not closer to the bottom of the table than he is to the top. Still seven games clear of Griffin, and then even more clear of Jeremy Kahn, who we can't even really include as part of the table any longer. So that's where the picks stand. Uh, of course, all of our lines come to us from Superbook. As always, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app, and you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Win or lose, Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. And as Griffin points out, we are indeed hosting a bowl pick'em contest. If you are extraordinarily excited about the trans-perfect Music City Bowl, and to me, you are trans-perfect, I need you to get in right now. And the way to get in is to Venmo me, Glenn-Clark, PayPal me, Glenn-Clark180, hit me up on Cash App, Glenn-Clark Radio, with your $20. And here's how this is going to work. We already have, I want to say, like four people in before the contest even begins because some folks just sent extra money when they got in for the raffle. Um, we need 35 people. We need 35 entries into our bull pick'em contest total. And that will include mine. And if we get 35, then we're going to have $350 to give to the winner of our bowl pick'em contest. And we're going to have $350 to put towards our toiletry and underwear drive that we're doing for Helping Up Mission. So it's very simple. Hit me up. If I don't immediately recognize you, I'll you know make a comment on the uh, Venmo or the PayPal transaction. If just send me an email or hit me up on Twitter. Let me know that you got in. GlennClarkRadio at gmail.com or at GlennClarkRadio on Twitter. Let me know you got in, and I will forward you the link to sign up for our Bowl Pick'em contest. We just need 35. 35 is the number. I don't want to go too far past 35 because I do like the idea that people have a chance to win. 35 is what we need. And we got two weeks to do this, so I'm prepared to shut down programming. I'll hold this show hostage, Damn, mother effers. We get the next week, and we get closer to the start of the bowl games, and we haven't filled this thing up. I am going to start losing it. I will not be all right. I hate when that happens. So get in. Fill it up. Tell your friends. I don't care who's in this contest. I don't care if you have five different entries in the contest and fill them out five different ways. 
All I care about is taking care of the helping up mission. That is the list of things that I am concerned with here. So get in today. Fill this up. Now, as far as the college football playoff is concerned, did they get it right? No. Mm. No, they didn't. Now, this is the awkward part. Because I've said before that I enjoy a good TV show as much as everybody else does. And I accept that certain things are nothing more than TV shows, so I want a good TV show. But that's not what a college football playoff should be. The college football playoff shouldn't be a TV show. The NBA in-season tournament can be a TV show. An organized sports championship shouldn't just be a TV show. All of your hand-wringing about, well, it's about the four best teams. First of all, you have no effing idea what you're talking about. You're just saying nonsense for the sake of saying nonsense because you've heard it repeated time and time again and no one has ever challenged it. Prove it. How are they the best teams? You have no idea. It's some esoteric BS. Well, did you see how Michigan reacted when they found out they had to play Alabama? That's how you know they're the better team. No, it's not. There is no way to prove it. Do I think that Alabama is a better team than Florida State? Of course I do. Is it in any way provable? Nonsense. And it's why this argument that you try to make that you think makes you sound smart, well, they got to get the four best teams, not the four most deserving teams. There's no way to prove that. No way. That's, in fact, the reason why we started a playoff is because we realized there was no way in the context of the regular season to prove who the best teams were. So we needed to have a playoff in order to settle that. The most deserving is the only thing we can do. And for years, the argument about college football's regular season was the reason why it was better than all the other sports is because it was the only one that really mattered. Your argument of why you don't want Florida State in the playoff is understood. When I sit down to watch, I don't want Florida State in the playoff either. But it doesn't change the fact that it's inherently wrong. That it's inherently the type of thing that you tell kids shouldn't happen. And I get these aren't kids, these are adults, their lives will go on. Fair is fair. It's also like, as been pointed out by a few people, it's jaw-droppingly hilarious that the fact that they're trying to hold it. A week ago, they knew that Florida State didn't have their quarterback, and yet they ranked Florida State significantly higher in the playoff than they did Alabama. This is as naked and shameless as it gets. The SEC is more powerful. We have to kowtow to the SEC. It's, by the way, a reminder, and this, this year's playoff is going to – the in, college football will be the SEC in the Big Ten. There will be no other conferences. How long it takes, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that any of these schools that are going to end up being in these – the ACC has two schools that matter, both of which – have been thought to be targets of the SEC. The future Big 12, I I don't know that there's a program in the future Big 12 that either of those conferences will care to have at any point down the road. Like you could say... Colorado. 
no. Um, like you could say that, hey, if they're willing to take Maryland and Rutgers, they're probably willing to take anybody. I guess, except for the fact that those are like major TV markets that you're talking about. I, I, I don't know that there's another. I mean, maybe the big the Big Ten would sometimes choose they want a team in Texas to get. Like if they took TCU, that would give them the Dallas market. So maybe TCU would be desirable to the Big Ten. There's like two schools that matter that aren't going to be in those conferences moving forward. So that's one of the stories is that like Florida State, Clemson probably got a reminder, hey, is whatever emotions, romantic feelings you feel towards the ACC, probably time to go ahead and let them know you're packing up shop. And when the SEC bats their eyes at you again, you go ahead and say, all right, we're in. We're good. We're good. You got it. We're coming to join you. Because the power of the SEC is so overwhelming that they'll literally just change the rules on the fly. They'll change everything on the fly to make sure that they bow down to the SEC. Now, moving forward, this shouldn't be a problem, right? With 12 teams, if you finish undefeated, you're going to get in. Probably. Like... Probably. Like James Madison. If they had and well, they would if say they're eligible, yeah. Yeah, that's more complicated. They would have gotten in, except for the fact that what if there was another power five team that also finished undefeated? They're not gonna let both of them in. Like they're not gonna share they're gonna give one spot in the twelve team playoff to a power five team. So if both James Madison and Tulane were to have finished undefeated, only one of them would be getting in. Almost certainly. Which is also still shameless and naked, but they're gonna that's what they're gonna do. They're not sharing the wealth more than they have to. And that will be interesting to see too for how they treat the Big Twelve moving forward. Because like right now, we're imagining they're still gonna treat the Big Twelve like a power conference, but I'm not sure that's gonna be true either. The Big Twelve, again, look at the teams that are in it. It ain't a power conference moving forward. It's just not. I still think that for at least the near future, they'll treat it like a power conference. But at some point down the road, I don't think they'll continue to treat the Big 12 like a power conference. This isn't how this is supposed to work. Now, they did it, and you got the better TV show, and if that's what all you wanted, that's all you care about, and you're happy today. It's not the way that this is supposed to go. It's not a fair way to go about determining a champion. It's not fair to say. It, it's also hilarious. Like, imagine them doing. Imagine the year that Carson Wentz got hurt. The NFL saying to the Eagles, sorry, you're out. You don't get to go to the playoffs now because your quarterback's hurt. It's nonsense. Pretending like the season didn't happen because a player got hurt is nonsense. Imagine them doing that to Ohio State the year, of course, that Cardell Cardell Jones won the title. It's an excuse. They couldn't leave out Texas because they knew, one, Texas has more power. Two, they would have to address the fact that this was a more convenient excuse. But to be clear, it doesn't make it okay. They had it's it in hindsight, Alabama winning put two teams in the playoffs. If Alabama loses, then Texas doesn't get in. 
Florida State stays in. Texas gets in because they knew that they couldn't put Alabama in without putting Texas in. And they had to show the SEC that they were going to put Alabama in. And by the way, Alabama might win the thing. I mean, I have no idea who to consider the favorite going in. You can say that Michigan's the best team, but I don't know that on paper that I would even say that they're favored to beat Alabama, frankly. It's embarrassing. It should be embarrassing if anybody in this was incapable of feeling embarrassment. But they're not. Like, this is what they're capable of of saying money. They're capable of saying money, 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 ratings, 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 blah, blah. That's all they're capable of saying. And they hide behind these things like, well, it's about the best team, as if that means something. They can send out whatever talking heads they want to send out to try to make it seem like there's some sort of fact behind that. There isn't. There's not. None. If you want to argue that, you know, SC, I don't know, Alabama was more deserving than Texas despite losing to them, argue however you want. The team that shouldn't have been left out was the team that finished undefeated. That means your process is a sham. It's a sham. Period. There's no getting around it. There's no, yeah, but I'm smarter than you. No, it's a sham. We're not actually trying to crown the champion of the season. We're trying to crown the champion we want. Yeah, and I agree with you, And but it, it's why they did it like this. They made it so that there were no rules. In the NFL, they, the regular season does matter. The Eagles have to get in if they have a, a third-string right, quarterback. And that, in it. creating a playoff in a sport, the purpose of that should be for this. It should be to make sure they only that did four teams. I understand. There's impossible. a bo- there's a no. It's not impossible. Uh, it's not. It's not. When it they, is when they not have a committee hard. set up for it. It's, it's they, la- they have no rules. I they, understand that. They do they want. But it's not hard if you have a brain to figure out that if a team goes undefeated in the power conference and wins two games against another power conference, then that's that. The debate ends there. The only way there's a debate is if five power conference champions all go undefeated. Then they have a good bit. you got a bigger problem then. But short of that, the conversation stops there. But this is what they did. They created a sham system to make sure that they could get the teams that they wanted into this playoff. And they got it. Now, again, I don't give a rat's ass about Florida State. I have no... If anything, growing up, I hated Florida State because they were in the ACC and they always drub Maryland. Every time. They kick Maryland's ass. Even the year Maryland was good. They still The only year in my life that Maryland football mattered, they went to the Orange Bowl and won the ACC, they still got hammered by Florida State that year. Still. So if anything, I have... Vitriol. Correct, yeah. towards Florida State. <laughs> But the system is a sham. And it's a reminder that when you say, hey, it'll all be fixed next year, stop. You're kidding yourself. There'll be more teams in. And you'll have less concern over the team that gets left out because. But at some point, this I'm telling you, next year, there's going to be two undefeated non-Power 5s. Power 4. <laughs> 
take that back. Well, I guess the Pac-12. Of six, what do they call? It? I don't know. I mean, the, the the Power Five would have been the five conferences, but there won't be a fifth conference because there will be no Pac-12. There'll be a Pac-2 though. That's a weird bit too. Like they're joining the Mountain West, but they're not joining the Mountain West. It's a whole thing. Um, next year, like Washington State will finish undefeated, and they'll be left out because this group of people is still going to tell you that money and influence and those things are going to matter more than doing what's right or what's fair in the process. So we can say, hey, look, you know, it, it was unique this year. Next year it'll be fit. No, it won't. They're making it abundantly clear. They're, they are setting up a system to protect their interests, not to protect making sure that the path to determining a champion is as fair as possible. I've said my piece. I, I truly, again, I have no dog in this fight. I don't root for any of these teams. I have no love loss for a single one of them. I root for the best product I'll see on New Year's Day. Yeah, you're, you're, you know what? From the, from the Logan Paul generation, that's about right, except for the fact that you watch terrible content. All right, switch gears. Winter meetings underway down in Nashville. The uh, Baltimore Orioles could be active. They continue to be linked towards Dylan Cease. Joining us now from Nashville, where he's there covering the Orioles of the Baltimore Sun, he is Jacob Calvin Meyer, and he's with us here on GCR. Jacob, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's always great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always nice for, for you guys to have somebody from the uh, Logan Paul generation on. Oh God, no, not you too. You don't, <laughs> you don't support that, do you? I, I, I can't say that I do, but. If we're gonna go off generation age-wise, I guess I'm I'm, I'm right you have in that to, demographic. You ha- I get it. I completely understand that. Uh, have you had any uh, hot chicken since you've gotten to Nashville yet, Jacob? Not not yet, but that is certainly on Man, on the checklist. I was I did the last winter meetings that were in Nashville, and it was the first time that I had experienced it, and uh, it changed my life. I believe it saved me from yeah. my sins. So I look forward to you <laughs> experiencing that. Let's get into it. Do you believe that the Orioles will make a move of significance this week? Um, it's hard to know, but probably not. I feel like the odds are if you had to place money on it, you would probably say no simply for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, this isn't a, a team that has in, in recent history made a lot of splashes in the offseason. And secondly, because it's only a couple of days. So there's no way, you know, to know exactly – uh, whether what they're looking to do is going to come together in just a couple of days. I will say, though, if it's going to be a year, there's going to be a year where the Orioles make a splash, you would think it would be, you would think it would be this year. I think the, uh, the fact that they're not the biggest spenders in the world is, is a factor of, of perhaps why they're not going to make a splash in the free agent market. And then, so you could say it's more likely in the trade market considering the, uh, the, the stockpile that they have of, of such a great farm system um, that they have basically the tools or the pieces to go and get anybody that they want who's available on the trade market. Now, whether or not Michael Elias is, is willing to, to give up, you know, give up the farm per se to, to do that remains to be seen. And, and maybe he shouldn't, but um, I know for a fact that they're certainly looking at those things um, both in the free agent market and the uh, trade market. You know, it's almost like you're, you're reading my mind, Jacob, because that's where I was going next was I, I have thought all along that they are far more likely to make a trade than they are to make a serious free agent splash. But part of it is like, yes, to, to try to you know maybe acquire that, that starter that everybody's been talking about, but it also seems like it's, it's almost out of necessity at this point. Like, I don't think they can continue to operate 
with having this glut of major league caliber players that are stuck in the minor leagues, like I, I think they almost have to. They're almost forced to do something with Joey Ortiz or Connor Norby or like it it almost seems absurd that they would continue to just hold on and collect all of these pieces that have no opportunity to break through at the major league level. Yeah, it seems like now could be the time. I, I think perhaps they might have another half of a season to, to kind of hold off if they, if they wanted to um, and, and maybe wait till the trade deadline next year. Um, you know, in that situation, things might look different. You just don't know what their roster is going to look like. You don't know what injuries are going to look like. Um, you know, for every, all of the prospects in the top 10 are different. You've got the guys like um, Jackson Holiday, um, who, who's untradeable, essentially. Right. You, you've, got, you've got Joey Ortiz, who, who truly does seem to be stuck in AAA. You've got Kobe Mayo, who maybe isn't ready yet for the major leagues because he hasn't been in AAA super long, but you would, you would assume sometime next season he would be. Um, and then you've got Connor Norby, who has played well at AAA, but, but doesn't have you know, that full package defensively and, and, and with some other things that, that maybe the other prospects do. And so they're all in kind of different places, which, which makes it difficult to exactly evaluate of like, oh, they've got all these players and they need to trade them. So I feel like they do have a little bit more time and, and perhaps if, if they can't get something done now, maybe they do it next summer and that's when they trade a couple of these guys. Um, but frankly, there's, there's just no way to know. And, and what we've seen thus far is, is the fact that they have not traded a, a prospect ranked inside their top 10 um, you know, over the past couple seasons. So yeah. I think that's kind of a marker that everybody's looking at um, whenever they do make a trade. Jake Calvin Meyer with us here on GCR. Do you feel like, like with with the competition for a Dylan Cease, and that's the name that has continued to come up the most with the competition? Do we feel like they're willing to be that aggressive just yet? Like I, I'm, I'm always, I feel like I'm defaulting Jacob to like until I see it, I don't believe it, right? Like that's what I'm sort of operating with is because we haven't seen them make that type of aggressive move and you could say Flaherty was a bit more aggressive than we had seen even though it didn't work out but do you feel like they're they're yet at that level where they're willing to go ahead and jump headfirst into the water and make the aggressive beat out other teams with a big package to land the guy I don't think your assumption is unfair at all and I don't even think it's a critical one per se listen for for us to assume that they're going to to make a big splash or to go out and get that top line starting pitcher like a Dylan Cease we're kind of gonna, we're kind of going to have to see it for, for for us to believe it, and right. and so that's just simply because of you know you it's been so long since they've done something like that, and you go through a long rebuild, and then they've operated the team the way that they have, and and that has led to great success, 101 wins last season, and perhaps they look at that success, and then they look at the failure that was the Jack Flaherty trade, and they go, huh, maybe we reevaluate and we don't do something like that, or they could look at that trade and say, listen, sometimes you're going to swing. And sometimes you're going to miss. And, and that's the risk that you take when you're in this position. And, and I think a, a big part of the value of the, the massive success of their pipeline in the minor leagues and developing players and drafting players and the fact that this year, for example, they're going to likely have three picks in the top 33 of the draft. They're going to have number 24, 32, and 33 overall, I believe. that yet to be announced, but I'm pretty sure those are going to be the numbers. And so when you consider that, it's like, wow, they're going to be able to keep doing this in their minds and, and keep churning out these prospects. And what's the point of doing that if you're not going to be able to parlay those guys into 
bettering your major league club. And so, you know, listen, it's a, it's a long off season. These are just a couple of days, but, you know, I think we've already seen, you know, some, some rumors going around that they're in involved in trade discussions with this player or that player. Um, but listen, if they want a guy, they have everything it, they, they need to go get that guy. And so if they don't get somebody, it just basically means that they didn't want them as much as another team did. And, and that's okay. But they, they have everything it takes to get basically whoever they want who's available. Jacob Calvin Meyer with us from the winter meetings down in Nashville at the Gaylord, where you're, you're basically stuck inside like a miniature city for the entirety of a week. Um, uh, Jacob, I, I guess one of the other things that comes to mind this week, as much as we're going to be paying attention to that level, I feel like what needs to still come into picture is do we think they're ready to make a move on any of their veterans that either they're not not interested in paying big arbitration dollars to or they feel like might be blocking some of these other guys that we're talking about that we feel like, you know, a Kobe Mayo or, you know, the outfielders and, and the names, the Mountcastles, the Hayes, the Santanders, Mullins, I guess, although there's not a lot of trade value right now with Mullins. Um, do, do we feel like they're they're in a place where it's time for them to make a move on any of those guys? Or, again, does it seem like they, they kind of want to keep that playing out and not necessarily move on from anyone in that group just yet? No, listen, I, I think a lot of that discussion and a lot of that talk is somewhat of a fool's errand in a sense. You know, you look at how great their prospects are, and it's like, oh, my God, you've got Colton Kowser and, and Heston Kerstad, and, and those players have bright futures. You know, Heston hit pretty well uh, when he was in the major leagues, but he barely played any defense. And Kowser struggled a lot, uh, like a lot of their other young players have. And so it doesn't take anything away from the futures that those guys have. But, you know, you've got Austin Hayes, who, you know, he, he did tail off at the end of the season, but, you know, he was an all-star and he was their best hitter in the first half of the season. Yep. And for the most part, you felt comfortable when Austin Hayes was at the plate and he was probably their best defensive player. He was a, a legitimate gold, gold, gold glove finalist who, who could have won that award in, in depending on another year. He just, you know, there were other players better in left field this season in the American league. And then you look at Cedric Mullins, you mentioned maybe he doesn't have as much trade value. He also brings a ton of value defensively no in question. center field. And they, they still believe of course, and so does Cedric that, that he still has that 2021 season in him. You know, we you saw flashes of that in the first couple months of the season before he got hurt. And so, you know, why are you going to give up on a guy like that? And then Anthony Santander, there were a couple instances, throughout the regular season where he had a minor injury, like a back thing, and he missed a couple of games. And man, when, when, he, missed, when he missed those games, you looked at the lineup, and it, it just looked so much, you know, it, it, it looked less fierce. It, didn't, it looked shallow, honestly. And so when he is so important to that lineup to have in the middle of the order, he's hit, you know, almost 30 home runs in back-to-back seasons. Uh, one year he did hit, hit over 30 home runs. One of the best switch hitters in baseball. And so, yeah, he's in his last year, and they might not find him long-term this offseason or after next season. But when you were kind of already struggling, you know, in the home run department to then give up perhaps your best home run hitter is it's probably a risky thing to do if, sure. if you're not going to get upgrades elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, I think for, you got to take each guy on an individual basis. The one that you would say would be most likely to have not come back with Jorge Mateo and they didn't just tender him a contract. They, they signed him to a contract. And so, you know, I, I think Ramon Arias is another guy that maybe they look at and, you know, just because they gave Jorge Mateo that contract doesn't mean that they can't, you know, include him in a trade or something like that. But um, I think he was the one that you looked at and said, okay, maybe he's, he's the one who's not going to be on this roster, but it looks like he is.
right, so I don't know how much you know about me, Jacob, but I'm I walk a very fine line between trying to be like you know a, a down the line observationalist, even though I'm not a reporter anymore. But yet everybody knows that I grew up here and I rooted for these teams, and it's just a it's a weird place. I love Ramona Rios, right? Like I love watching the dude play baseball, and yet mm-hmm. like I was I was prepared to write something about it last year for Press Box, and then I pulled up his advanced metrics, and I was like. Oh my God, he's having a terrible season! <laughs> like, what? How, why do I love watching this guy play baseball so much? Like, how stupid am I? So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing for me because I I really appreciate the effort that the guy plays with, but boy, is it not backed up by his actual performance. When you dive into the numbers, it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of a role that needs to be filled by Ramon Arias moving forward. Well, I'll say this about him. Listen, he had a great defensive season two years ago. Yes. He did not have as great of a defensive no. season this year. Perhaps perhaps there was some regression there and, and him bouncing around to different positions. He did make some big plays that defensively that, that you know kind of saved them in a couple of games. I know he made a diving play at second one game, I think on the road, maybe maybe in Tampa, um, to save a game for them. And he made a couple at third as well. So he showed flashes defensively. And I think offensively he's not the you know, he's not gonna be a guy that's gonna hit 25 homers or do anything like that, but he is essentially a consistent league average hitter. Like he does not, he doesn't seem to go through these huge slumps that other guys do. And if you just look at his page, he's basically been a league average hitter every year for the past four years. And when you have a guy that can play essentially all four infield positions, he can play short in a pinch and then he can play the other three as well. You know, at, at times he plays them at a high level. He's a league average hitter and he brings that kind of consistency and he plays hard. That is a valuable guy to have on your bench. Now, whether or not you want him playing, you know, every single day is a, is another question. But I know I, I, I see the value there for yeah. sure. I appreciate you trying to justify my initial feelings about Ramon Arias. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, uh, Jacob, the other thing I think that we need to discuss is the closer situation. Um, mm-hmm. I know John Heyman reported that they had poked around on Josh Hader. And don't get me wrong, that sounds amazing, but... You know that's going to cost you money that the Orioles have, have hardly ever paid to like position players or starting pitchers. So I don't think that they're going to be doing that. D- do you get the sense that the closer is already on the roster? Whether that's you know giving Cano another shot or or giving it to a DL Hall or a Tyler Wells, or that that really is something that they're going to look to address on the market this off season. Um, I don't know if. I know like the closer title is sexy and it, and it does matter to people and it does matter to teams, but I, I don't know if they're looking at it that way. If I had to guess they're looking at saying, okay, we don't have the for the 2024 season. We don't have the essentially the best relief pitcher who is able to go two innings at a time who saved them in extra inning games time after time who strikes out nearly 50% of batters. There is, uh, there's, there's nobody on the market who can do the things that Felix was doing, not even Josh Hader. Um, Josh Hader was not, you know, the past couple seasons has not even been going more than one inning. Um, don't get me wrong. He's <laughs> fantastic. Um, but they can't replace Felix Bautista with just one guy. And, and you're right. The assumption there should be that they're not going to get Josh Hader. And so my guess is that they're going to try to replace, you know, Felix in, in the aggregate and get a couple of relievers who can fill in and be, you know, consistent. Um, and they they have a track record of turning kind of no name guys into back end relievers. Felix was one of them, and and Yenier Cano this past season, Danny Coulomb they traded cash considerations for him, and he was one of the best left handed relievers in the American League. And so 
my guess is that the, the closer might be on the roster. It might be somebody that they get, but they might not go into spring training saying, oh, this is definitely our guy and he's going to be our closer. He's going to pitch the ninth inning no matter what. Because if you look at the bullpen, other than Cano and Coulomb and Perez um, and perhaps D.L. Hall, if, he, if they just say he's a reliever, there's not really many other guys that you can just say, oh, he's, that guy's definitely going to be in the bullpen. It's like Michael Bauman might start the season in AAA. He could be in the big league bullpen. Brian Baker, same thing. Jacob Webb, who knows? Yeah. And so I think they have an opportunity here to not just fortify the back end, but if they can, perhaps they can fortify both the, the middle relief and the back end, get, get two or three guys, and then you know maybe you can replace Felix that way. All right, uh, Jacob Calvin Meyer. Of course, it's at J Calvin Meyer on Twitter. You want to give everybody a plug for what you're going to be doing this week and coverage that they're going to find from the Baltimore Sun from the winter meetings. Yes, I'll be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Yep. Um, hopefully, eat some Nashville hot chicken. And uh, you guys can follow along on Twitter at J Calvin Meyer and. and Check everything I'm doing out here at TheBaltimoreSun.com. I don't know what the schedule is for uh, Hyde and Elias' availability, but if I can make a recommendation, Vanderbilt's at home on Wednesday night. The building is awesome. Like, it's such a cool place to see a basketball game. And I would make a recommendation to take a second, get over, and check it out because it's a really, really cool place. Uh, Jacob, enjoy. I don't have to see my schedule. Yeah, enjoy the five minutes of time that you will have uh, to yourself (laughs) in Nashville. Really appreciate you spending most of those with us this morning right here on GCR. Thanks for doing this, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks. Jacob Calvin Meyer from the Baltimore Sun with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time. I did. It's funny because, um, you know, the, the name that Stan brought up last week was Stevenson. And I was like, man, I hadn't really thought about that. I think I saw over the weekend a report that the Orioles had indeed poked in on Robert Stevenson. And looking at his numbers, I said, wow, that, that is an intriguing uh, John Morosi. Uh, was the one that reported it. John Morosi said, update. <clears throat> uh, sorry, it started with, uh, right into pitcher Robert Stevenson has been one of the most popular free agent relievers this offseason, sources say. Stevenson had a 0.678 whip over 42 appearances with the Rays this year, is drawing interest from the Dodgers, Cubs, and Angels, among other teams. Update. The Orioles are showing interest in Robert Stevenson as the bullpen market has begun to move rapidly. Baltimore is looking for an impact arm in Batista's absence. Yeah, his numbers are outstanding. I mean, it's, his numbers are quite good. I just, again, when I hear that the other teams that are poking around with the Dodgers, Cubs, and Angels, it sound, sounds smells to me uh, like... Out of our price range. Probably going to be priced out. Yeah. Just, that's what it smells like to me. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be pleasantly surprised. I would love for the Orioles to say, hey, we're going to prioritize something, and this is what we're prioritizing on the free agent market, and we'll address everything else via trade. But doesn't smell good when those are the teams that you are competing against. All right. Our number one of today's show is winding down. You're looking for more baseball conversation. Not only will we have more baseball conversation for you, because Adam Frazier is going to join us in a few minutes, but also later on today, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson will have some baseball conversation for you at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, you can check it out at YouTube.com slash online. Every Monday, Stan, Ross, and Luke talking baseball, including later on today. When we come back in, as I mentioned, Adam Frazier, he's going to join us. He's not signed yet. I assume he's not going to announce his retirement. I assume like he's planning on trying to continue his career. We'll talk to him about the season that he had in Baltimore and more. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Uh, Griffin didn't have the heart to tell me that I, I screwed up. Couldn't just be like, hey, don't plug that thing. You're not, you're wrong. 
We're going out of order today. Jeremy Kahn's joining us at 11, and then Adam is going to join us at 11.30. So, my bad. My apologies. But also, yes. <laughs> Griffin waited until the mics are off, then he was like... Hey, so that thing you just told everybody. You were really rolling. I didn't. Just make sure I get it right. All right, all right. Like the number of times. Won't happen again. The number of times you're wrong about something (laughs) and you bother and you decide to share it. Then something that you're definitively correct about and you're like, I'm going to keep that to myself. (laughs) No one needs to know that. All the times. All the times. That was a strange, strange time for that to be the case. Hey, um, Project Game Day returns this Sunday. Myself, Rita, Femi, KZ. KZ got in for the bowl pick'em contest. Thank you, KZ. KZ's a good person. Some of the re- I'll start calling you out by name. I will. I will do it. We get deeper into this thing, and we're getting. Sl- I will start calling you, mother effers, out by name, on this program. I don't care. Say, hey, man, I got in for the raffle. I don't care. Well, hey, man, I got in for uh, the in-season in tournament. I don't care. We're raising money for helping up mission. It's like uh, collecting a tax at the end of the year. It's just what it is, dude. Uh, we, we, we try to take care of people. That's what I need from you. Get in. $20. Glenn Dash Clark on Venmo. Glenn Clark Radio on Cash App. Glenn Clark 180 on PayPal. That's beside the point. The point is about game day, which is back on Sunday night. KZ, Andrew Stecka, Josh Charles. You never know who's going to be part of our post-game crew. So come hang out with us. Immediately following Ravens, Rams, come chill with us. Pressboxonline.com slash game day. Project game day. Brought to you by helping... No, not brought to you by helping up my ga- helping up mission. Brought to you by helpmygamblingproblem.org. Doing a lot of help these days. Try to keep it all straight. Also, A.J. Michaels and Superbook Sports. Come hang out with us uh, this Sunday following Ravens-Rams and every game day all season long. You can watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash game day. Ask me if I'd like to say anything about Maryland basketball. Uh, how do you feel about Maryland hoops right now? I, no, ask me the question that I told you to ask me. How do you feel about Maryland basketball? That's not what I said. What ask you? me if I'd like to, dis- to say anything about uh, Maryland basketball. Would you like to say anything? Sure wouldn't. Moving on. Okay. The hell would I say? It's bad. I wrote a column in this print issue of PressBox about how good I felt about Maryland basketball going into the season. May we burn it from the internet. <laughs> May it never be seen again. May I, you, you, I, I beg of you, I implore you to ignore that column. Just rip the page out. I'll pin it to your profile real quick. Awful, man. Just awful. Um, I'm not writing a column today at PressBoxOnline.com. That's because we are putting some of the finishing touches on our best of issue uh, that's going to be hitting newsstands here in a couple weeks. If I had written a column, it would just be about my frustration about the bowl game thing for Navy. And it's such a small thing. It's so unique to this year. And so it's, it's probably not even worthy of a column. And I, I kind of talked about it before, so you guys know. Minnesota it gets to go to a bowl game this year. Now, look, I'm not sure that anybody would be all that hot and bothered about making a trip to Detroit in December. So maybe the, the, the folks at Navy, and they're like, yeah, we don't really care. Enjoy. enjoy. Like, uh, go enjoy your trip to Detroit. But it's embarrassing that Navy could finish 6-6 six and six if they beat Army and yet miss a bowl game while 
Minnesota gets to bowl, go to a bowl game at five and seven. It's just dumb, it, and it's you know, well, we gotta we gotta sell tickets, so we get we can't wait. Well, how about if you're gonna let a five and seven bowl team, a five and seven team into a bowl game, you maybe prioritize like service academies, you know, the the places where the football players are willing to die for you. Like maybe we prioritize them. Don't get me wrong, academic performance, that's all well and good, but maybe we prioritize like the people who aren't necessarily going to be playing in the NFL and instead are willing to like, you know, protect our freedom. Maybe that's how we make this choice. Just a thought that we put them at the top of the list of teams that could get in. So that's what I would have written about. It, it probably didn't need to be a column. It's just, it's very silly to me that that's something that we continue to do. All right, doing a little bit earlier this week, but it is a Monday, and every Monday we catch up with our friend Jeremy Kahn. Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, as well as Concrete Locks, C-O-N-N, ConcreteLocks.com. Uh, how uh, you you already starting to practice? Have you signed up for your dance lesson just yet, pal? No, I just got back from the doctors, and apparently I'm allergic to haggis, oh, blood sausage, wow. and how, uh, weird, dancing Trent. and singing. That's, that's and, weird. <laughs> no, that's I'm, so weird yeah. how that works out. No, no. So, yeah, it's been a – so Saturday was a good day for me. Sunday sucked. Um, and you obviously can look at the picks and see how everything went this weekend. It, the NFL has been so ridiculous this year. Just absolutely absurd, man. It's like – I was saying it today. Like, when you, when you look at teams that we think are bad, and I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, like the Chargers – um, who are just okay. They go on the road to face a really bad team, right? Um, we had, uh, like, Arizona goes well, – Arizona's not a good example. Tampa Bay hosting against a really bad team in Carolina. Um, and you just see the same things, the, the, the Jets and the Falcons, the same things happening in all those games where the really bad teams are showing themselves. They're really bad. I mean, they're really yeah. bad. Those teams, and you have to actually question whether or not they're even trying sometimes because it just looks so off. I have no idea. The New England Patriots scoring zero points is what a world we're living in, man. What did you see? They gave up like in their last three games, they they gave up was it 13, 13, and 10, and they lost, Jesus Christ, and then five, you know, or six or whatever it was. And the the Chargers were five and a half point favorites, kick two field goals, and win the game. Yikes! So. That is a giant yikes. Well, uh, we look forward to it. I mean, we can't wait. We can't. Can I, can I say this? Like, I I don't know how enthralled I'll, or how like thrilled I'll be with uh, the singing and all that other stuff. Yes. I, I will make a show of it. But once I start Irish Irish dancing, like even like once I take one class, I think I'm just gonna wow everybody. Am, like, why weren't you doing this all along? I am really looking forward to seeing this. I got to be honest with you. Will you let me come with you when you take the lessons so that I can film that? Would you willing be willing yeah. to do that? Okay. So, all right. So you got to explain to me how does all like the food stuff is somebody else? Do I got to buy? Oh, that? No, 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 no. Tim, Tim and Bel Air, our friend Tim, has done this okay. for years. He is very happy to take care of. In fact, in in some perverse way, it gives him joy to prepare these things. Like he lovingly prepared the bull balls for me one morning. Like he's Tim, Tim Fisher, who's always come through for us. He already chipped in a hundred bucks to helping out mission on top of everything else. He's one of my, fi- I somehow he's both an attorney and a good person, which I don't understand in any world. It makes no sense. We'll work like with the two of you. Yeah. We'll work with the two of you to figure out a day that works for both of you to do it. And he will handle all of those things. The costume will be the one part that you'll have to be on the hook for. 
right? And like, what's the costume again? Because I'm just trying to remember everything you, I have to you do. Gotta so dress I'm, like, I'm you got to dress like the Notre Dame mascot, which really is you got to dress like a leprechaun, but we don't want to say that because I never know what's offensive anymore and what isn't. Like, you yeah, know what I, mean? I, don't, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I don't know if somebody's bothered by it. If an Irish person was like, you can't say that. I don't know, man. I just, I'm trying, bro. Like, leave me alone. I'm just tired. I just want to make fun of all people. Like, right. Like, can we make fun of everyone equally? equally? Exactly right. So, you know, whatever that is, you got to do that. Dude, did you ever see Bill Burr's Philadelphia rant? I was just telling Rob about it today. I, it is I, arguably I, the greatest rant ever, and especially when he gets to the Joe Frazier point of it. Which, like, uh, he, uh, yeah, so go ahead. Okay. If you guys, I don't want to, mm, the internet gave it away to me, so it's still worth watching. I had never yeah. seen this. In 2006, Bill Burr played a show in Philadelphia. It was actually in Camden, New Jersey at that um, pavilion, whatever they call it. It's had 100 I saw a Mumford & Sons concert there. I've, I've, I've seen 100 shows there over the years. But it's, it changes its name like every year, whatever that pavilion is. And they sucker. It, it was definitely like BB&T or something. I don't know. What it, whatever it is. So Bill Burr is playing at that pavilion on, on this like comedy festival tour that Opie and Anthony put together. And yeah. the crowd is not into it. And remember, in 06, Bill Burr was not the household name that he is today, right? Like the guy mm-hmm. that sells out Fenway Park. Bill Burr <laughs> just loses it. I mean, loses it. Wishes them all to get cancer. Like, just, I mean, but like. My favorite part is just rips apart the city. Yeah, like, from this, the Liberty Bell all to of Rocky it. to and it builds, you know, steaks. It builds to. <laughs> Him saying, and God, I wish I don't know if I'm going to nail this verbatim, but the joke is, you know, go ahead and build statues to Rocky. You've got Joe Frazier, but you're so racist that you have to worship a three foot fake white guy. It's that's the line. It's amazing. Like it's so funny. Um, you know, like the the part of that too, like just talking about Bill Burr and just his ascension into like comedy. Like he's one of the best. He doesn't care about your feelings. He do- and that's what I like. So he's married to a black woman. He was just in the news because his wife gave Trump the finger and everybody. You know, the snowflakes on the left, they're the right. ones that get upset. But everybody's like, I can't believe you gave Trump the finger. She's terrible. Divorce her. It's like, come on, man. It, it, both sides of this thing. But, like, with, with Burr, my favorite thing about him is it's like, F your feelings. I'm just going to tell you what I think, what I see. You don't have to agree with it. But that's, that's me. And I just love his comedy. No, oh, I mean, look, Bill Burr is tremendous. There's no, he's he's absolutely, dude. The when he hosted Saturday Night Live, they did a sketch about like trying out a Sam Adams like pumpkin beer that they put out, and it was so brilliantly Boston, like he nailed it. <laughs> he nailed it. I would strongly encourage everybody to go track that thing down. Um, yeah, I love I love Bill Burr and finding that rant. I think it just came up because like Eagles fans were in their feelings after they got hammered yesterday. And so the yeah. internet dug out this Bill Burr rant, and I was like, how have I never heard this before? It is magical. I forget when I – I didn't come across it in 2006, like right when it happened. I came yeah. across it, I want to say about eight years ago, where like, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is like – like I love – my favorite stand-up comedian is Bill Hicks. And if you don't know who he is, yeah. he was basically a dark poet. You know, like he just um, – he had all these funny lines, and he didn't – again, he didn't care about your feelings. He did a lot of political humor. Um, and a lot of drug humor as well. But, like, th- that's my favorite thing about these guys is that they just go out, they have their material, and if you don't like it, they're going to be like, F you. That's like um, Stavi when he went to uh, oh, yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, he was talking about Skyline Chili, and they were all yeah. going, he's like, F you, F you. <laughs> he's screaming at him. It's great. 
So, yeah, we will coordinate with our guy, Tim. We will get all that taken care of. you got to take care of the dance lesson and the costume. Do we know somebody that does Irish dance? Like, there's definitely a class I, I can take. I will. Right? I will 100. percent We will. I will help you try to track the person down that you can. I mean, I can it. call Julia Styles and take a hip hop class if you yeah, want. Correct. <laughs> it's a white lady that knows about my. There is also on the internet. Somebody did a video about the absurdity of Save the Last Dance. I think I've told you this before. I dated a girl in high school that be, that truly believed she was Julia Styles. Like, <laughs> she looked maybe 10 percent like Julia Styles, but like operated. I swear to God. Like, she would walk around and, like, bring it up in conversation. So, so, oh, you, did I hear one of you say that you guys think I look like Julia Stiles? Like, that was the way that she operated. <laughs> That's I, my end, yeah. I had to go see that film twice. Ugh. Twice! In a movie theater because I enjoyed, you know, sexual activity. Like, that was, <laughs> that was my curse at that well, point. At least you were sleeping life. with Julia Stiles. That, I did have that going for me. Which is, how does it feel to be hooking up with Julia Stiles? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a I got a good story for for you. Um, okay. So I was at the old Dominion concert this Saturday. Oh my God! I saw your 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 hero security officer. By the way, I'm so pissed off at all the people that are posted on there. Everybody's like, "Well, that's his job." It's like, shut up. Dude. Were you there? Like, I yeah. took a still shot of the guy. Brian St. Pierre posted a video of him on Instagram. So I wasn't the only one that noticed this guy. These girls were like hanging over top of him. Drinks are spilling. One of the country artists had his dog come out. I don't think he was thrilled with that. Um, <laughs> And you should just see these women bounce because they want to get stuff signed by these country artists that they're just throwing crap over top of them. So, like, yeah, I wanted to give him a shout-out. But the, the cool thing was, and I'm going to tell this story on the air tomorrow, but uh, so I was uh, – I, I met Mike Bordick's youngest son. Okay. And he was there. So if, for people that don't know, Mike Bordick is kind of doing, like, that liver king diet thing. Yes. Thinking, like, he eats, he eats actual, and like, animal penises, like, straight up. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, the, the whole thing without breaking it. No, yeah. it's uh, – so – like the that sounds terrible, but so when Bordick's kid comes in, I was like, "Hey, you ever eat your dad's testicles?" <laughs> That's what I said to him, and he knew exactly what I meant, and he started laughing. And then I texted it to Bordy. I said, "Hey, man, I'm sorry about this, but I asked your son if you ever ate your testicles, and he knew what I was talking about." And he's like, "I love it. It's hilarious. It's tremendous." Um, but it was a really funny, awkward moment for people that weren't in on the joke, and then I had to explain it to everyone. That is tremendous. That is a good bit. You ever man. eat your dad's testicles? That is a yeah. really good bit. That is outstanding. All right, well, that's all I had for you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Good. All right, well, oh. I'm kidding. Enjoy, enjoy you your... football? I want to talk about there's a, an attractive young lady who goes for walks around, like, outside my window maybe five times during the course of the day. And it's pleasant, right, because you look out the window and you're like, ah, well, that's nice. But then you just... Does she look like anybody? Uh, she kind of looks like Julia Stiles. 100%. Oh, my goodness. Your ex-girlfriend's stalking you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that it's held up for my ex-girlfriend. I haven't seen her in a long time, but... I'm pretty sure that today she wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, now she looks like Ryan Styles, so uh, it's great. <laughs> that's the one. I was gonna go with AJ, but that's so much better. <laughs> yeah, she grew. She's six foot five, and she's funny. She so it's like whatever. Ryan Styles. <laughs> she actually looks like Greg Proops. That's the weird part. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think it's held up for her. I think it's been, oh. I think it's been a downturn. Man, how weird is it when you see someone that it actually like it has held up for that you went to high school with that you're like, wow. Like, well, I, I've definitely seen some of the girls that were I, I, that you wouldn't deem to be like attractive or like you know you wouldn't have asked out in high school. Yeah. And I've seen some of them later in life where I went, oh my yeah. god, what, like that 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 flower bloomed late. Um, and then I've seen, I actually. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to bring up one, but there was one girl in our high school. 
who was probably the hottest girl in high school, yep. and now I think she weighs about 300 pounds. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just unfortunate. It's just it unfortunate. It's like the, uh, what was that, Bill Ponderosa from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good old Bill Ponderosa. God, man, and she went ahead. She went right ahead and did it anyway, didn't she? Yeah. She went right ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, D was banging him for a while. Yes, hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. D, D was so excited yeah. about it. She was like, "I'm going to see Bill Ponderosa," and then you know she sees him and she just goes ahead and bangs him anyway. It's wonderful. Um, all right. So I don't know what are we doing. What is any? Of I loved this? him in the Halloween episode with Guillermo del Toro. Oh God, that was great. Oh, that yeah. was excellent. Um, all right. So where are you at with the whole Florida State thing? I'm like I I, I so I understand it. So I I said. To, to use another bad analogy, like I'm the king of them, but it feels like like running backs in, in the NFL, like running backs get paid, right? They don't get paid the type of money and everybody's complaining about what they're getting paid. And it's like, what do you do? And it's like, it is what it is. I don't think it's fair, but how do you change it? And the only thing I said this year is that it would have been the perfect year for a 12-team playoff. But, you know, like all schedules aren't created equally. The fact that you went undefeated in a weak ACC and everybody's bringing up, oh, they just beat the 17th ranked team in the country with their – okay, guys, we're talking about the top four teams here. You know, like, so this is a little bit more important where we're talking about who gets in. And with Florida State being down their quarterback, yeah, I I think they got it right. I feel worse for Georgia, who was number one the entire year, and you lose in the SEC championship, and they go, nope, you're not good enough to be here now. So I'm in a weird place because, as I said to to Griffin earlier, I understand the, as a fan, I just want the best TV show, right? Like, I understand that. On the flip side, what you just said to me is the part that like we have to acknowledge. It is a sham. Like it's inherently unfair, and we would never do this. And we would never in another sport say, you know, to the Ravens last year, your quarterback hurt, got hurt, well you're not allowed to compete for a championship anymore. Like you're out. We would never do this. The system was set up to be rigged essentially. Like it's set up to be a rigged system. And you can say, well, that's what they get. They, they made a 14 playoff. It had to be a rigged t- system. It, not really. Like, it shouldn't be rigged. And I think the, the other thing that I came out of it saying is when you try to say, well, hey, this will all be fixed next year because it's going to be a 12-team playoff, understand. Well, 13, 14, 15 are going to complain, yeah. But they'll complain. But more importantly than that, there will still be an element of it that's rigged. Imagine next year that both, like, Tulane and Washington State go undefeated. One of them is going to be left out. It's still going to – they're not – they will always set up the system to benefit the people that they can capitalize the most off of financially. They're not going to bend the system to help anyone that isn't at the top of the totem pole. And if they're willing to screw Florida State, then imagine what they're willing to do to anyone else in the process. See, but, but this is different than the playoff system that's set up in the NFL, which is why I don't, I don't like that analogy because like in the NFL, everybody has their schedule. It's a, you know, you get your set schedule that the league tells you you're playing. At Florida State, you create your own schedule. And all like, they you know did was go out and schedule teams. two SEC teams. Yeah, like, they have to because the ACC. So this is a conversation we had with yeah. Gary Palm this morning, who was, I mean, he was kind of livid that Florida State didn't get in. He said they're a power five and they went undefeated. But it's a really weak conference, which we all agree with. And then if we talked about it, is Florida State one of the four best teams right now? Um, I this is I don't like that, Jeremy. Like this is I I hate that. Well, that's because what like, it is. It's because the four I, teams right now. Right, right. When I say when I say teams. I don't think so. What I'll also say is, but we would have never thought that that Ohio State team with Cardale Jones is one of the four best teams. They just got in and they happened to win a national championship too. To the point, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Florida State would have won a national championship. Although that being said, 
I don't really know who I think is the favorite to win the national championship of these four teams because, you know, I thought it was Georgia or Oregon and neither one of them is in, right? So, like, I don't know. I have no idea how these games are going to play out, but I hate that argument of who are the four best teams because we can't – all we're basing it off of is, like, how our gut feels. And, again, a week ago our gut felt told us that two teams were the best teams that aren't the two best teams, right? Like, yeah, well, look, I mean, you're, you're making great points about this. I mean, Florida State did beat LSU, who was a good team. Um, you know, you beat Louisville. Uh, they had a crazy game against Clemson, which they found a way to win, had a crazy game against BC. And I'm not, like, I'm not picking apart everything. I watched a lot of their games, and I love that team. I wanted to see Jordan Travis and that group go. Right. Um, but without him, I, I get it, and I understand why everybody's like, I don't want this. It's not fair. But like, I'm the, the schedules, and when we start talking about how you set them up, like the SEC, the conference is so freaking tough year in and year out. They schedule a lot of cupcakes outside, which is kind of surprising that you saw the LSU Florida State game. But you know, Bama Barrett that fourth and whatever it was, thirty-one, and the crazy play that happened there, and getting the hell out of Dodge, and then figuring out how to beat Georgia. Like, if I'm Georgia, I'm going, I'll get number one all year. Well, if you're putting in a one-loss team, how do you not put right. us in when we lost to an SEC and, and, it, and it's a fair argument. I would say back is that the SEC didn't hold up their end of the bargain this year. And that's why this year, again, I, I come back to, like, the system being rigged. The SEC went 7-9 and nine against other power conference teams this year. The SEC was great because we said they were great, not because they actually did anything that proved that they were great, right? Like, we, all we're doing is saying we think the best players are there, so no matter what, we, we're just anointing that Ole Miss is definitely, definitively one of the best teams in the country. Is there anything at all that proves that? Not remotely. Just the fact that they're in the SEC, and we say that if you win the games in the SEC, we've decided that makes you the best teams. So yeah, I, that's a valid argument. Like I, I don't. It's it's a tricky thing again because I'm I'm in agreement that I think Alabama is better than Florida State. I think that to your point, Georgia is better than Florida State. I think that Georgia might be better than Texas. They might be better than, uh, you know, I, we can do this all eternally. We can almost do this all day. But I come back to the way that we go about crowning champions, or the way we're supposed to crown champions, is that the actual results are supposed to matter, and what you did is actually supposed to matter. And that's why it bothers me. In my core, it bothers me that there's a system where a team can do everything that they can control, everything they possibly can control, and we can still turn around and say, yeah, sorry, too bad. We, we'd rather have this team in. We just We think it'd be better for ratings. We think it'd be better for, you know... Are, are the people that have the most power in the sport. In, inherently, and, it bothers me. But sure, and, when I sit down and watch, I'd rather watch Alabama than Florida State. I'm happy they did it. And I look, I do feel bad for Florida State again. I said I felt bad for Georgia. The one problem I have like with the comparison to the NFL is, again, you know you know, seven teams are getting in, and it's all, they have all the tiebreakers, everything's that. Like, there's no selection. Nobody's selecting a team to go in. You have a committee that picks. You have judges. You know, like, this is... Uh, this is by the ice way, skating. We, we have the Russian that's, judge that's going to pick it, dude. You know what? That to me is probably the inherent the inherent issue that I have with this. I tell people this all the time. I I don't watch judging sports. I hate judging sports. Right? It's part of the issue that I have. Why? Why I don't have tennis. There's a line judge. There is a line judge. Thank you. That's a great point. That's a great <laughs> point. But, like, it's part of the issue that I've had I, why I don't have the same fervor as I did as a kid for, like, boxing, right, is because of how many times mm-hmm. I would be invested in something and then go back and have it determined by a judge, and it seemed insane. I was like, what, what the hell were you watching? So yeah, I don't have the I same I still fervor. remember the line from my guy, Burt Sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
or the uh, the judge. You know, like it's it, it is it does become crappy then when these guys get to decide things, and the French judges are always wrong. So. Yeah, that's correct. They're terrible. I never am down with judging. I don't like gymnastics. I don't like figure skating because you're telling me that these people were the best, but I have no idea how that's provable. I have. No you know the hardest thing about figure skating? What's that? Telling your parents you're gay. Look, man, it's 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 okay though. It's there's nothing wrong with that. The, the no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs> I usually use that for soccer all the time. Yeah. And then my soccer yeah. buddies would get so mad. Yeah, so. and they kick your ass. And then yeah. like, <laughs> legitimately like they st- you'd say and then they'd stuff you in a locker and you'd be like, Hi, I think I'm no, gonna misjudge hey, this. Hey, look, the soccer players weren't stuffing me in a locker. That wasn't happening. <laughs> I'm too big a boy for that. I'm a big boy. <laughs> You're a big boy. You're a big boy. <laughs> no, but, you know, like, I do feel for him, and it sucks. Because the one thing that was stated that's so obvious, but it's true, and we know it, that the quarterback is the most important position. And the one thing that I do agree with, what are you telling everyone else in that locker room that worked their ass off all year long? Right. Too bad your quarterback got hurt. You guys aren't good enough. That's messed up. But from a viewing standpoint, I'm happy with what we got. I'll be pulling for Texas. By the way, it's a one-and-a-half-point favorite for Michigan over Bama. Texas is a four-point favorite over Washington. It just kind of tells you everything you need to know on a neutral field. Looking at Washington and Texas, Washington went undefeated. Texas is favored over them. Right. No, I get it. I mean, I do. I don't don't know. Although, in fairness, they were also nine-point dogs to Oregon on Friday night and beat them, right? Like, I— I feel like there's been a bizarre reluctance to accept what Washington is doing, and I get it. I watched some of those games. I, I've understood some of the reluctance, but man, if there's a team that has figured out ways to win football games, like Washington is very high on that list, and I am not going to be dismissive of them, even though I probably agree that I think that I like Texas a little bit more. It's just a weird spot but that I'm in. The other part of that too is like Florida State and Georgia playing each other. Like I would say this to people: you can't. I, I can't judge what happens in that game to go. Like, if Florida State beats Georgia, I can't in my mind oh, go, yeah. I mean, oh, who, my God, they should have right. definitely been in, which a lot of people will do. Yeah, but who knows? Because Georgia doesn't want to play in, play in this bowl yeah, game. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I don't even know which players I mean, you get it, but I think a lot of people don't. It's what it is. I'm not, you know, again, none of these things actually – like, I'm, as, I, I grew up rooting for Maryland football. I hate Florida State, right? Like, they, they pounded Maryland time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. But I just I don't like the system. I don't think it's fair, and I think that it's a reminder that even when they expand it to 12 teams, they're going to figure out a way to make sure it's not fair. But that's their problem, and sure as hell not really mine. Um, if the Orioles do one thing at the winter meetings this week, what would you want it to be? Oh, um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to – well, first off, I'd like to know what they're coveting here. I've, I've seen them link to Dylan Cease. Uh, he's from, Dylan Cease is from Atlanta, and I think Atlanta's making a heavy push for him. I like Dylan Cease more than most. I, by the way, I think Grayson Rodriguez is a Dylan Cease-type clone. He had a bad year this year. I don't think he's that pitcher. Um, I think he will be better. So, like, I'm interested in getting a front line started, depending on what the asking price is. But, you know, in all honesty, I hope they bolster that bullpen. Just put some money in the damn bullpen and shore it up on the back end and feel comfortable with it. Because, like, you are still looking for a closer, which is a hard thing to look for in the offseason and what you have to pay for, because I think a lot of teams are looking for it. I, uh, I saw Robert Stevenson's name floating around as yep. being something. The problem is, again, you see the Orioles are interested, but then you see who the other teams are that are interested. It's like the Orioles and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Angels are like, well, they're not winning that bidding war. That's not happening. You're like, go ahead and Well, cross that's why free agency becomes unbelievably difficult until we know what they're going to spend. Correct. And, like, I was getting an argument about this the other day. Um, you know, like, they need to spend money. Like, I'm, I, I understand what we're doing here. I don't need another Kyle Gibson. I don't need you to tell me Jordan Lyles. And even if they're fine in the – but, like, you can bring in better players. You can spend more money than you have. You were the second lowest payroll in the league and had the best record. At least take some of that money that you had 
and, and work it back in because we know they've been cutting costs over the past couple of years. Yep. Facts all around. All right. I'm going to, I need to, I need you to help me plug. We're doing one last charity thing for helping up mission. We're doing a bull pick em contest. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to tag you in a tweet later. I need you to help me try to get people into that thing. Because, cool. Uh, then we'll have raised $3,000 for helping up mission and that'll make me very happy. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll work on that. Uh, what's coming up on the big bad morning show this week. So it's Rob and I till uh, I think Ed's back Wednesday. He's on vacation. And then, you know, leading into this Rams game, there'll be a lot of Ravens talk. And, of course, all the bowl games. Uh, we've got the NBA in-season tournament tonight. We'll probably touch on that a little bit. Um, but usually the shenanigans and all the other stuff that comes along they're, with the Big Bad Morning Show. They're doing that thing on the same night where a football game is being played. Like, I, of all... There's nothing that befuddles me more when these other sporting entities want something to matter and they schedule it up against football games. Like, what... What are you doing? Why? I mean, why? Well, I mean, is is it a great game? Can they? They didn't know that yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, it's Bengals, it's, 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 yeah game, it should so. have been a really good game, right? Bengals Jaguars, and still, like the Jaguars are a legitimate Super Bowl threat. Like, I think I still think that there's going to be quite a big audience for this football game. I just don't get the bit at all. Do you? Is yeah. there any chance that you happen to know what the whitest sentence is that you've ever said in your life? The whitest sentence? Yeah. Oh man! Because I said one um, yesterday that is immediately when it came out of my mouth. I said, "Well, that's in contention." Like that's definitely. I was yesterday morning was my morning to serve breakfast at uh, Helping Up Mission, and so I'm there, and one of the guys there said, "What are you doing today?" And I said, "I'm taking my dog to meet Santa Claus." <laughs> and as soon as I like got through, and look, it was for our friends that show your soft side, and I, you know, I've been very involved with them, and I love them, and so I'll do anything for them. But like the moment that I it came out of my mouth, I like looked at the people that were in this room, and I'm like. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because like there, I, I started to think back. Uh, one of my buddies sent me all these old pictures of me at Hoop It Up, and it got me thinking about like those days back then and some yeah. of the phrases you'd have. Like yeah. I talk to my son now, and my son has these like this and that he says all the time, ba 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 ba, and he does like these little phrases. And, but everybody kind of has their catchphrases. But like I grew up with, I grew up with a ton of hillbillies, you know, like in my family. So it's like. How do you how do you disseminate what's too white? Because there's a lot of white things that they do. It's just like insane, like incredibly off the charts. Yep, yep. Well, I, this one was high on my list. This one was very much a. All right, I got to write that down. Hey, somewhere. buddy. Hey, pal. Yeah, that's that's very white. That is extraordinarily white. All right, at Jcon Sports, ConcreteLocks.com. That's where you find him. Love you, pal. We'll talk to you again next Monday. All right. It's, all right, guys. I'll see you. It's Jeremy Con with us as he is every Monday here on GCR. As I mentioned, uh, this print issue of Pressbox, just whatever you do, don't read the column at the end. Just, just here's what you do. When you pick it up today for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, just take these pages, the last, and just rip them right out. Don't read that column. But other than that, it's a great issue with a great cover story from Todd Karpovich, lots of uh, Brooks Robinson memories. All of that stuff is great. But that column about Maryland basketball, just be done with that still Go. a long season you know yeah that's the problem is it still if there, we've ever needed a year in which we desperately need the Ravens to make the Super Bowl <laughs> in order to try to bridge the gap between that and the start of spring training as much as humanly possible please I'm begging well, Indiana's a good team we know Villanova's a, well kinda they lost to Drexel they've lost they lost, lost a pen. Lost to Drexel. It's not good, dude. Not Big Five good. Classic was 
Yeah, there, there was a thriller, right? Yeah. There was a half court buzzer beater in one of the games. To which one? Which game was, was that? I don't the, was it? That wasn't the championship. I want to say it was LaSalle. So that was the runners-up. St. Joe's, maybe, was that no, game? No, St. Joe's and Temple were in the, 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 championship. the championship. So it must have been LaSalle Penn. Yes. Had a, a yeah. half-court buzzer beater to win at the bu- I mean, to win the game. Not at, like, halftime. To win the game. They were down 92-90. Half-court buzzer beater to win. Wild. But, yeah. So Villanova get gets relegated. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> out of the big they, five. They got to go compete in Baltimore's big five <laughs> next year. Charm City Classic. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was the, called the Battle of Baltimore for yes. years. Um uh, Go get this print issue. And then uh, coming up in less than two weeks, uh, like a little bit more than one week, in fact, the best of issue will be hitting newsstands. I wonder if Stan and I, when we're going to, maybe this Friday we'll announce, maybe we'll announce the, no, nah, we normally try to wait until it's about available on stands to make that announcement. But yeah, go get it today. When we come back in, Adam Frazier, this time, will join us. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox fantasy football analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your waiver wire Wednesday brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at, wait, are people supposed to know about that? The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It is a Monday edition of GCR. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to get into uh, season-long pats on the ass and slaps to the helmet. But we've been talking a lot of baseball this morning, and uh, it's really cool to have the opportunity to catch up with someone who uh, had a serious role in the special season that the Baltimore Orioles put together this year in uh, winning the AL East. He is currently a free agent, and as the winter meetings go on this week, perhaps he's going to find out where his next destination is. We welcome back into the program Adam Frazier, who's with us now here on GCR. Adam, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, no problem, Glenn. How you doing? Everything is good, man. What the, I, Can I ask like, when how your, how your life has changed and how you handle like free agency now in your 30s? versus maybe, like, the first time that you went through something like this? Are you, like, totally cool, relaxed, like, eh, whatever, I don't have to think about it? Or are you still like, dude, would you please just tell me where it is going to be playing baseball this year? <laughs> um, no, no, that's pretty much the same. Last year was the first time I, I really had ever gone through it. Um, gone through the trade stuff a few times. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's a, little, a little more out of your control with that. But, uh no, it's it's been pretty slow uh, moving, I guess, this, this offseason compared to last just because of the Otani sweet stakes along with, you know, Soto probably getting traded somewhere. So, um, you know, everybody's kind of waiting on those pieces to fall in place. And then, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'm so, sure so what you're saying, else will have you're an sa- idea. You're saying that forever who loses out on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes, you're willing to be – plan b for that team is what like if that, <laughs> that you you know are you can you do you think maybe you got a few innings in you as well could you maybe make up for it i don't know about all that <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd, that'd be never a good sign if i had to get on the mountain so oh um, man adam but just just to help me shape the conversation do, do you do like do you have any reason like it if if I if I talk about the Orioles in past tense, would you say, "Hey, man, I'm not sure about that"? Like, I've we've had some chats. Um, yeah, is, we, have, okay. we have had a few chats. So, uh, you know, and I think it'd be in a different role coming if I if I do end up back. Okay. Uh, you know, with some of the young guys coming up, they can really play baseball. So, um, yeah, you know, never say never, and and we'll see what ends up happening in the next few weeks. Can you take me through what this season meant to you? Like, I, it's it's so fun. We were talking to Kyle last week, Kyle Gibson, and. You know everything he's been through, and you're in a kind of similar place in your life because you're a veteran and you've done a lot of things. But the joy that he had being a part of that this season, 
And and I know that again, like maybe statistically it wasn't your best year, but could you describe just what it was like to be a part of this phenomenon in Baltimore in 2023? Uh, <clears throat> I think that word joy you just used is, describes it pretty well. Uh, you know, it was <clears throat> being a part of the you know Gunner and Adley and and all those young guys that can really play baseball, trying to help them grow up, the young pitchers uh, really taking a step forward throughout the year. Those guys, uh, you know, kind of were the reason we were uh, 30 games past whatever our expected win total was. So <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. I mean, anytime you're winning games and 100 games in, in that regard is, is a blast. So, you know, we came up a little short in what we thought we could do, um, which was tough, tough pill to swallow at the end. But um, it, it was a lot of joy, a lot of fun, uh, you know, taking the field every day with those guys. Adam, I, you know, look, man, winning, it's going to be fun to win wherever you are, but it felt like it was even something more different than that this year. Like, just all of it, right, between the, the, the Homer hose and the celebrations. and <laughs> Was it was there something unique about this group, about the culture in Baltimore, about what Brandon allowed or your veterans? Can you put your finger on why it might have been even more pleasant than other places where teams are winning, and it just seemed like you guys were truly having the time of your lives. Yeah, a little bit of everything right there. Um, you know, the, the veteran leadership, um, you bring everybody together, but really when you have a bunch of good guys in the clubhouse, that makes it easy for that to happen. So, uh, you know, as time went on, that, that is what happened. We became became brothers came really tight-knit group it's um it's the dinners off the field it's uh you know breakfast in the morning with a group of guys that um it's just you, you keep your mind fresh when you're you're not thinking about baseball all the time off the field and then um <clears throat> it felt like every day we show up to the yard and, you know we somebody else was going to come through uh what you know it, each guy in the lineup had a chance to do that every night and and wasn't always the same guy and um, I think the trust we had in each other for, you know, that somebody was going to get that job done every night and there was no panic ever. And, you know, it, it just continued to happen night after night. Um, yeah, it really starts in spring training. I think, you know, you had the Homer hose kind of, you know, come from a, uh, a rookie skit. Um, and then Gibson comes up with this idea. And the next thing you know, uh, we're the talk of baseball doing funny stuff. And, um, you know, you're old, old guys playing a kid's game and, um, you know, we really pretty much enjoyed that every, you know, each and every day throughout the year. And having fun like that is, is what leads to the success. Uh, he is Adam Frazier. He is with us here on GCR. Can I ask what role, if any, Brandon played in all that? Because like, I, I, we would talk about Brandon during the year, and I'd say, dude, I, I'm not the guy to measure someone as an X's and O's manager, right? Like, I'm not qualified for that. <laughs> but what I know is, like, there's no way this type of culture exists in spite of of a manager, right? Like that, it's just—it's not possible to me that that's the way that it goes. I don't know how much you knew about him going into like coming to Baltimore, but what was your experience like with him, and what role did he play in helping to foster that environment that existed here? Yeah, Brandon's awesome. Um, he really allowed us to kind of uh, police ourselves in the clubhouse, you know, trust in the in the veteran leadership um, to keep everybody in line, and he really, you know, you. He, he can walk through and you don't feel like you're on pins and needles. You know, there's some places I've been where it's, you know, the manager walks by and you're like, Oh gosh, what we got now. But, um, you know, he really trusted each and every one of us and he pressed the right buttons throughout the year during the game. But, um, you know, just the, the relaxed environment, um, allowed each player to be themselves. And 
Um, each each guy knew they had had a job to do, and you know there wasn't any extracurricular stuff going on to where um, guys had to worry about this or that. So I think he did a really good job of um, you know making it a fun place to come to work every day. Um, you know, just just like I mentioned, allowing us guys to lead ourselves, to police ourselves, and um, you know the best teams I've ever been on. That's kind of how it has gone, where the players take care of what they need to take care of, and the manager doesn't really have to step in. But at the same time, there's you know a couple times throughout the year where you hit a lull, and, and he comes in and he gets on us a little bit. And um, I think he did that at the right time each each time he did it, and uh, you know it usually led to a winning streak afterwards. So. Um, <clears throat> I can't say enough good things about Brandon Hyde and, uh, you know, really enjoyed our time together. That's really cool, man. Um, Adam, there's two things that I wanted to talk to you about. The first one, of course, like the, the moment of the year, uh, the Tampa thing, like you've done a lot of things in baseball, but that hit in that spot with that at stake, um, and the way things were kind of turning, right? Like after you guys had lost the first couple games mm-hmm. of that series, I don't know that you have like a Rolodex of your favorite hits that you've had in your career, but w- if you do, where would that be on the list? Well, that's up there for sure. Um, you know, a tough pitcher like Fairbanks, and in, in that moment, it was, um, you know, I got behind early, and it was just all right. Get get some in play, and I'm not into this game, and. Um, and then you have Mateo first base and it could be any faster. So, right. um, <clears throat> I don't it, know, it, was, uh, it, it was pretty special, no doubt. And I know it was a huge moment, um, for our, for our club. Just, uh, like you said, we lost those first two and, and that was a huge series to, to be able to come from behind and, and win that game. You know, I, I think they took that lead there in the ninth and fought back to tie it, but then. I mean, Rutch had to actually get a hit later um, in the tent to yep. to win, or, and then Cedric with the with the sack fly. So um, that's just kind of the story of our season. There was no quit. And like I mentioned earlier, it was anybody could come through at any moment to to win a game for us, and and just that happened to be my moment, I guess. So um, that was a lot of fun. It was very special, and you know, to to seal the deal like we did, and then uh, you know, pop the bottles that night as well. Uh, yeah, it's pretty special. Dude, for guys like me that will never understand what this is like, can you describe what the feeling is like after something like that, like the endorphin rush? And I, I don't know if, again, like you're so calm and cool and you've been through it so many times that you're just like, yeah, dude, I don't know. We, we, we're still in the middle of a baseball game, right? Like it was fun, but I didn't think about it too much. But like I'd like to imagine it would be like just the most unbelievable feeling that a human being could ever experience to be in the middle of something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, you kind of black out from a moment or two, and uh, you know, it is that endorphin rush. It's you know, adrenaline to the max, to where you, you know, you got you got to let some emotion out at times. You know, I'm pretty even killed myself, yeah. but um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of learned to you know appreciate the big moments like that and and celebrate them, but then take a couple deep breaths and get back locked in. So. Um, Sometimes it takes a little, you know, a little longer to get back locked in, but, but that's, that was one of them. Yeah, you earned that. <clears throat> it, it is what you're saying. Yeah, it is what you're saying. Whereas, you know, it's just it's a huge high, and um, you know that's why you play the game. The other thing that really jumped out at me about you this year that was special, and and it, and it was in sadder circumstances, but you were one of the guys that went out of your way to want to be there for Brooks Robinson's memorial. Um, you you've been in you were in Baltimore for you know like a, a cup of coffee at that point right like you're not you're not entrenched in this community 
why was it that that was something that was so important for you to go be there for that day? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about Brooks Robinson before I came to Baltimore. I know he was a Hall of Famer and a legend and all the gold gloves and everything else. And then as time went on, it kind of spit out to me how special he was to everyone around him, uh, the community of Baltimore, the team and, um, and everything. So, um, just to be there to, you know, support his family. I know they were going through a tough time. I know, um, our, the player's presence probably helped, you know, cope with a few things, but to show respect for Brooks, um, and, and what he did for, um, the Baltimore organization, but the, the community as well. So, um, just to show respect is, is how I felt. And I felt like that was what needed to be done in that moment. Um, so myself and a few of the other guys, we, we showed up for, for Brooks and his family. I, ho- I hope you know how much that meant to the, not just them, but the entire city. Like, I hope you know that that was, it was not missed by anyone, like how important it was to this city that you guys took the time at a time where, you know, you needed the rest, right? Like you needed that and to say, mm-hmm. hey, I want to be here. It's a big deal. With that in mind, now that you're a little removed from it, where do you fall on the debate about whether or not it's a good thing for a team to have a week's worth of rest at the end of the season? Like now that now that it's not an excuse anymore, now that we're past it and like the whole thing, and we can just have an open conversation about it, where do you fall on this debate about how we handle this moving forward and whether we should stop having teams like shut down for a week at the end of the season? Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, to be honest, going through that stretch run in, in September, we had 17 games in a row fighting for the AL East and, and all that. We were we were definitely gassed at the end of the year, so we needed a couple days. Um, when you start talking four or five days, though, it's uh, it goes from, um, you know, getting your legs back under you to trying to get going again. You know, you, yeah. you spend a week trying not to get hurt, pre- playing against each other and stuff like that to, to diving back into, you know, the playoff atmosphere. So, um, it's definitely it's odd, I guess, is the best word for um, that comes to mind. You, you know, take you never take a week off. You know, you take a few for an All Star break, but even that was kind of longer than an All Star break. So it's a little odd. Um, I mean, probably something that could be worked through based off of you know the results that everyone had this year in the playoffs. But uh, you know, I don't think I don't think you're gonna see MLB go back to a one game wild card. There's, there's a little bit I, too much money involved once you add, add a second or third oh, game no to the wild card series. So I, I heard an argument so, uh, though, like the the idea that maybe you could start back up on Thursday. Like you say to the teams that have to play in the wild card series, like you got to start up on Monday. That's just the way that it goes, right? Like you know, you yeah, you you could have you could have you know avoided this by winning the division. You didn't, so you got to turn around, and play Monday. You play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday if you need to, and then we we fire up the the the, the series on Thursday. That that seems. Do you think that would fit a little bit better in avoiding like the prolonged rests? No doubt, no doubt. And then you you're actually getting rewarded for um, you know winning the division. So yeah, and then if you win the wild card in two games, then you get rewarded with a day off. So right. um, I like where you're at with that because I think that you know it gives you the incentive instead of just hey I'm on a vacation for four or five days and try to get ready. Um, it's, it's a little bit quicker of a turnaround and. And those guys might be grinding if you if you're coming out of the wild card series. So, um, yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, something something should be a little altered, I believe. Um, 
you know, over just five days, is, that's tough. Yeah, that's, and it also allows everybody to reset their pitching, right? Like, you know, you play in a wild card series and you're able to turn right back around and have your starters again for the weekend because there's so many days off involved. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't right. Seem, it doesn't seem right. Again, not making excuses. Want to make it a, I know that's not what we're doing here. We're not making excuses. <laughs> Adam, if I could, you, no, you, you mentioned no. Look, man, look, they won the World Series, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what it is. Adam, right. you, you mentioned the possibility that things would be a little bit different if you were to return to the Orioles, and I'm guessing that means there probably wouldn't be like a guarantee that you're an everyday guy. Um, is that? Can I read into that that way? Um, sure. Okay. Um, I'm sure Jackson Holiday will have a huge impact. Um, yep. yep. Whenever he arrives. Uh, yeah, Jordan Westberg's a really good player, and I'm sure that <clears throat> there's no telling. There could be a bunch of trades and stuff like that that happen with the Orioles in the next month and a half. Uh, never know. And I think, you know, if I were to come back, and depending on stuff like that, then it could change the role a bit. Maybe it's more outfield. Maybe it's sure. uh, less infield. But I, who knows? Um, it's all speculation, and, yeah, that's, that's about all it is. I, I set that up only to ask, is it a tough spot for you – like knowing that at this place in your career, you you want to continue obviously to be an everyday player and do all those things, but there is something special happening here, right? Like there, it does feel like there's a core and a nucleus that's capable of winning a World Series. Is it difficult for you to kind of measure those two things against each other as far as what you want to do moving forward? Um, yeah, I mean, number one goal for me anywhere is going to be to win, whether I'm playing twice a week or five times a week, uh, I just want to win. And I know you can do that in Baltimore right now in these, in these next few years going forward. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, depends on what kind of offers we're looking at as well sure. elsewhere. So, sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a combination of everything. Because, uh, you know, Baltimore is not the only place to win. Um, but there is it's a, it's a place set up for success um, this coming year in the near future. So um, it's really a combination of everything. Uh, if I'm being honest, I know I totally, I I completely get that, Adam. I just, it's, it's an interesting place. You know, mo- again, as I say, most of us will never feel what it is that you're feeling right now, right? Like, I think we call it a, a good problem to have. You're going to get paid a handsome amount of money in order to play baseball, no matter what you're doing. Um, but it's still a compelling decision. Can I ask, just being around Gunner this year, like, what struck you most? Like, we're all watching this guy and saying, this guy is a superstar. Like, this guy is. Uh, above, you know, even other really good players, just the talent level at that age. Can you tell me what struck you most about him and maybe what makes him so special? Yeah, I mean, he, he really is special and he is a superstar. Um, um, his, his calm demeanor is pretty good. He, you know, he, he gets on himself, he's very hard on himself. He, he kind of expects perfection in every aspect of the game. So, that's why he's good. Um, you know, once he, he came out of his little slump there to start the year, I could, you know, you could feel the guy <clears throat> take a deep breath and, and then he just took off and hit the ground running from there. So, um, I think it's just, it's, you know, his, his, his will to be great is, is what makes him really good. And then, uh, I mean, his work ethics there, everything's there. He's, he's confident in himself and, um, you know, there's, there's no moment too big. So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if I have a, a one-word answer for that, no. but um, it's really everything the guy does, and he, he expects per- perfection, and he he's uh, you know he's got he's got a little bit of the it factor to um, 
you know, he wants to be in those big moments and, and he wants to you know, make great things happen for the team and, and win and win baseball. <clears throat> Adam Frazier. Um, I, I guess let me ask first, is there anything, I know you're on Instagram at a underscore phrase 12. Is there anything else that you have like going on that you're involved with business wise, something we could plug for you? Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, not really. Uh, I try to lay low key and, uh, and I think of myself a little more old school than, uh, you know, getting, getting the camera and, and all the uh, social media stuff going. Um, but, but I appreciate that. Hey man, I just want to make, I, we really do appreciate you taking the time. So I want to make sure we pay it off. If there is something that we can do for you. I know you're a, I know you're a golf guy, right? Like are you spent, is that how you spend your off season? Oh yeah, yeah. Big yeah. golf, uh, golf hunting, fish, and anything outdoors. It's, that's what I try to go do. It's it's a good getaway and uh, it's peaceful. So, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, that's, those are kind of my things. That's cool, uh, Adam. Appreciate truthfully the leadership that you brought to this team this season. Uh, the, as we said, the Tampa thing we will never forget for sure. And we'll leave it with whatever ends up happening. Uh, we'll be happy for you if it works out that you're back in Baltimore. That would be awesome. If not. We truly wish you well, everything that you do moving forward, and uh, thankful for the role that you played in what uh, was a season that gave us a lot of special memories in this town, man. Oh, thank- I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Adam, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. Enjoy your holiday season, and uh, hopefully we'll have a reason to talk again soon. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. Adam Frazier uh, with us here on GCR, free agent. Um you know, the way that he talked about it, you certainly understand, right? Like, and, and he knows. I think most of us sort of said, okay, you're moving on from Adam Frazier at the end of the year. That's the way that it's going to go. If if he looks around and the opportunities after two kind of back-to-back disappointing offensive seasons aren't really there for him, and the Orioles said, look, man, you know, couldn't hurt. It just doesn't feel like there's room. I keep, I, I guess I'll say that. It depends on what you're doing with everything else. If you are not lessening the glut that you have in certain positions in order to try to stack the pitching, then I don't think there's any chance that you have any room. You say, hey, it might have to be involving a little more outfield. Like, well, right now you got to find enough outfield. You have to find enough outfield at the moment for all of Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Colton Kowser, and Heston Kerstad. That's a lot. Now, again, some of that could be lessened. They could move on from somebody, if not multiple guys. I'd be stunned, I guess, if it was multiple guys. But they could move on from Santander. They could say, you know, Santander is just not going to be an outfielder moving forward. You're neutralizing a big arm, but they could do that. That would be an option. You still have a lot that you're that you all of those guys, if they're here, feel like they should be everyday players. Of those just of those five guys, all feel like they, if they're Orioles next season, should be everyday players. So how are you coming up with all of those at bats? So it it just doesn't feel, as the roster is constructed, like there's necessarily room. If Jorge Mateo, if you're committed to Jorge Mateo as being your utility infielder, and based on the fact that you gave him a contract, it feels like you are. 
I just don't know where it's coming from. But again, that can change. They could move from, they could move on from certain guys. They could clear that glut a little bit in order to acquire pitching. And if that's the case, then maybe there could be a role. Appreciate Adam Frazier taking the time. I, I we, we're working on our best of issue right now, and I was reliving the Tampa thing, and I was just like, Jesus man, what a moment! And of course, it was like the the you know Adam Frazier was maligned all season long, and then of course, like it would be Adam Frazier that comes up with this massive. I don't want to say season defining hit because I don't know that any particular hit on the season was defining, but it was a damn big one in a big spot and we always go it's easy to to forget that in that moment the division was slipping away we think about how the Orioles had seized control of the division in the second half of the season we almost forget that they then blew yeah a sizable lead and were tied and if they lose that day they're tied again coming out of that Instead, they win that game, they go up by two games, and they hold on to win the division. You could argue, biggest hit of the year. I, 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 man, I don't know what the argument would be against it being the biggest hit of the year. I think there were ones that were more memorable, like Cedric Mullins' home run on the splash night, you know, like the finish yeah. the cycle was the Cedric Mullins' home run against Seattle, like just because he had just made the catch. Cedric Mullins, yeah, Cedric Mullins, Cedric Mullins. Yeah, right. I mean, but I don't know that there's an argument that it w- wouldn't have been the most important hit of the year for the Orioles. Go figure. All right, when we come back in, we're going to do season long to this point, to the bye, pats on the ass, slaps the helmet. We'll do that when we come back in to Glenn Clark Radio. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? All right, back in here as we finish up on a Monday edition of the program. I mentioned earlier that Stan, Ross, and Luke are getting together. It's going to be at 445. Looks like 445 today is when you can find that show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. So normally on Mondays, we do uh, pats on the ass and slaps to the helmet. And this started to be a tradition at the bye that we would do them for the entirety of the season. It's just that we've never had a bye this late in the year. So it's a weird place. It's not but very much not the midway point of the season that we're doing this, but we are going to do season-long pats on the ass and slaps in the helmet. And you guys are struggling similar to how we struggled. Like some of you just said, I can't come up with five people that I want to slap. You, you, some of you guys are cheating. We did everything in our power to play to the rules, which is very difficult. For example, on slaps, two of the guys that came to mind very right off the bat, John Harbaugh and Justin Tucker. Well, based on our rules, because you can only have one non-offensive or defensive player on the list, I couldn't put both those guys on the list. It's difficult. It's very, very difficult putting these lists together. And then on the Pat side, there's like eight guys that I felt bad leaving off the list. But let's get into it. Uh, Pat's on the ass. I begin my number five. Uh, my third defensive player is Kyle Hamilton. A lot of guys I did leave off the list, but Kyle Hamilton is a star, and he's an alien, and he's a freak. And uh, as good as some of the – like Patrick Queen didn't make the list. Jadeveon Clowney didn't make the list. That was painful. Like as good as those guys have been, and those two in particular were the most difficult ones for me to leave off the list. Kyle Hamilton is an alien. Kyle Hamilton is almost not human 
in the way that he plays football. So I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't leave Kyle Hamilton off my list. He's my number five. My number five. Uh, I went with Zay Flowers here um, okay. as my— Did not make my list. It's my second offensive player. Um, because, I mean, you know, th- this is a position that the Ravens have, you know, really been cursed at historically. And he he seems like the real deal. He's having a very—he's not having like a—you know, we look around like that, Puka Nakua I, or something. I, I think but that's like, the issue, right? Like, I think yeah. he's having a good season— uh, and I'm I'm very encouraged by Zay Flowers, but I I couldn't tell you that I think he's been he's making an impact at this position. He's, that I the I Ravens struggle I with. I get it. I get it. I'm not. It's not nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't put him, elevate him over other guys. But he was look I, in my write up. Yeah. You'll see um, that he was one. There were four other players besides the two that I picked that I felt bad about not being able to consider, and he was the fourth of the or the third. Whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, I considered you know Mark Andrews here as well. Uh, Mark Andrews did not make my list either, and certainly yeah. somebody I considered that didn't make the list. And I guess that's just because he got hurt, and so we're yeah, kind of like, kinda well, he's not here anymore. But like, maybe it's shameful of us right. both to have left Mark Andrews off. Also, frankly, I think there are a lot of really good candidates. Mm-hmm. Like what, the defense felt like it was worthy of getting three players because you know they've been absurd, and so when you're left with only being able to pick two offensively, for example, my number four is Kevin Zeitler. And I was stuck between Kevin Zeitler and Tyler Linderbaum because, like, they've both been awesome. They've both been. We'll get to. Th- I thought about McCarry for a minute, you know. Yeah, McCarry. Not, you know, quite not right. to the degree that those two. Those two do. Cons- their consistency, yeah. McCarry. Sorry. Zeitler and Linderbaum have just been bonkers this season. What, what won out is I saw the stat when we were talking, when, when I was preparing to talk to him last week, I saw the stat that. There have been, I think, three games this season where he's allowed zero pressures. His last five games, he's allowed two total pressures. Jeez. Kevin Zeitler's on another planet right now. Like, he's just playing at such an absurdly high level. And so is Linderbaum, and that's why it was, again, like, it was tough between those two guys, but I ultimately went with Zeitler over Linderbaum. Because he's going on the show, yeah. No, just because of those numbers, like those numbers, I don't think any, there's anybody else that I like. Michael Pierce is having a great year. Yeah. Didn't make my list, you know. Like this isn't just guys we like. Um, I just think Zeitler has been nuts. He's been insane this season. And again, it was tough to leave off um, the offensive players. I left off that I felt bad about were Linderbaum, Andrews, Gus Edwards. I definitely felt bad about leaving off, and then to a lesser extent, Flowers. Like he would have yeah. been the last of that group. But yes, you know, somebody that I considered. Uh, this is where I put Lamar right here at number four for okay. me. Um, I mean, you it's got to be higher than that, but I, you know, the defense this all season. I feel like the, I mean, in in the NFL, defense has been really been the story, and you know, that's I part. feel like that's why it's not a no brainer for Lamar to be higher up because he's not putting up you know those video game numbers that were. Used I don't think to. he needs to be number one, but I think he's got to be higher than like I I, I I get it. The defense has been the defense. Has I been feel nuts. like the two guys I'm I, putting ahead are having better years. Than, it had to be three guys that you're putting ahead. I have a uh, you know wild card in there. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where. Oh, is it McDonald? Okay, all right. I'll give you a pass on McDonald. Uh, but yeah, Lamar. I mean, they would not be here without him. So yes, he is right. my top offensive player. Uh, my number three is where I put Roquan, and this was tough for me because, like, in a way, and we've talked about this this season, we've almost just kind of gotten used to this is the level that Roquan Smith plays at, and we don't even it doesn't even impact us anymore. I think that there would still be an argument for Roquan Smith as team MVP. I still think you could make that argument. He won't win it. Lamar is going to be the team MVP, barring something insane, and he should be. Although, at the moment, he would not get my vote. 
my vote would go to someone else, and we'll get there because it's gonna be my number one. Um, it's just he's just so good. Like it's just insane how good he is and how how much this. I I don't know. We've said it a million times. There's no more, more ways to say it. Roquan Smith's my number three. Yeah, it was so hard for me to leave Roquan off of the list. I put n- my number three here. I put Justin Matabike because. I mean, okay. it, it was that, that that was until that last break. I was between him or uh, Ro- Roquan or Matabike. Matabike mm-hmm. is having a career year. I mean, I no one really could have expected this from Matabike. So he's been a he has had a such a such a big role, such a big impact on the way that this defense has gone. So yeah, I'm very interested. In, so you've got I'm guessing then McDonald and Jadevion as your top two. No, not Jadevion. Sure. You want to you... give it or? Well, Lamar is my number two. I mean, there's. He's been great. Like we can say he's not putting up video game numbers, but that's not what's been asked of Lamar Jackson yeah. is to put up video game numbers. He's been incredibly efficient. Um, yes, there've been a couple of bad decisions. The Pittsburgh thing was was bad, but they've been very rare. Um, Lamar's my number two. Your number two is Kyle Hamilton. Oh, okay. I, th- yeah, I right. think. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything that you said. I mean, he has been un- unbelievable. I think the reason he's flown a little bit more under the radar because his biggest games have actually been in the losses that they've had that pick six and then mm-hmm. the three sack game. Um, but yeah, I mean like what he does for this defense and, and the way he's able to literally play any position. I mean, you, if you put him at no, I mean, I guess you're not going to put him at nose tackle, but if you did, like, I feel like he'd find a way to, to make a play because that's just, that's just what he's, that's just what he's been over there, especially the he's last been, month. He's been unbelievable. So, Nobody's arguing that he's been unbelievable. He's, so Mike McDonald's your number one. Mike McDonald is my number one. I don't. I'm not. I'm not even gonna push back. It just that there's been too. There were too many players. This is a problem with yeah. there's too many players for me to to give credit to the coach. Like the players are all doing so. Well, but you're right. I get it. I'm not. Like there are things that I will beat you up about. I will not beat you up about this. I understand what you're saying. Mike McDonald's has been nuts. He's. It's been bonkers. I'm praying he goes to the NFC. Um. Or that the teams just want to hire offensive coaches. Yeah. Maybe like, that, that's that what I'm hoping for. Maybe idiots, but. Um, my number one is Justin Matabike, and Justin Matabike right now is my Ravens MVP. Hmm. Um, this goes to the the thing that I talk about with the MVP award. Like, what are you getting that's different than what anyone else is getting at that spot, right? Like that. the The reason why I say I just don't like the idea that the MVP is just all the quarterbacks, right? Like, I think that right now, Justin Matabike is performing at a level. That it's like there's Aaron Donald, and there's not a whole lot of other guys. Like we can say, we know who the best defensive tackles are in football. Like we know, you know Jeffrey Simmons and Ed Oliver. Like we we know there are other good def- Jonathan Allen. Although he's more of a nah, he's Jonathan Allen qualifies. But this is nuts. Like this is bat s insane that we're talking about a defensive tackle that has 10 sacks on the season. The the difference between what you're getting production-wise in that area of the game and what other teams are getting is significant. And short of having an Aaron Donald on your team, I don't know how there can be a lot more valuable than what Justin Matabike is doing. Um, I'm overwhelmed by it the more that I think about it. Like, it's crazy to me. It's particularly crazy because I, like, remember making fun of... Do you remember the year that Peter King, like, had Justin Matabike on his list of the three players that could be the defensive player of the year before... 
It was 2021. Was that his? Was that his did second a, year? Or he did a preseason. Was that his, was that year two? I guess that must have been year two. Was he? It was 2020, right? Mm. Well, if he's a free agent this year, and yeah, he it yeah. wasn't a first round pick, so yeah, be four years. Um, so 2021, in his like preseason column, Peter King listed three. I don't remember who the other two were. But it was it stuck out like a sore thumb. Like Justin Matabike, who we were all encouraged by in his first season, but like and I remember having a conversation about it on the show. Where I said something to like Kyle, like, but, but this is out of control. Like this is this is insane from Peter King. And Kyle was just like, I don't think so. I'm like, what? It's like, I think it makes sense. I think it could be the I'm like, what what are we doing? Why are we being so, hyper, so hyperbolic about this? And I was like, this is just unreasonable. I remember Kyle saying, I think he could have 10 sacks this year. And I was like, what the? <laughs> I was so flabbergasted by it. Which is to say that, like, even though I like Justin Matabike, even though I thought highly of Justin Matabike, I thought it would be insane to set the level. Now, again, Kyle was wrong. Let's not try to do revisionist history and pretend like Kyle got it right. He didn't. Or Peter King. Peter King also did not get it right. His other three, or the run at the three, it was yeah. T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, and Justin T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, and Justin Matabike. Second year Justin Matabike. It was bizarro, man. Like, you're just, what? what is going on here? It was detached from reality. But to the point, what he's accomplishing is beyond playing at a high level. What he's accomplishing is patently absurd. From his position. Justin Matabike is my pick at the moment. And I reserve the right when we get there. I don't think I even bothered to file a vote last year. So I assume that I'm still voting. <laughs> Maybe they kicked me out. I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. I don't I don't even go over and Peter King the was a spotter. He had the Rams uh, to, to win the Super Bowl as well. He nailed that one. Yeah. Did not nail the Matabike thing. But two years later, he's the revisionist history will allow people to believe that he nailed the Matabike thing. But Matabike is number one on my list. All right. Uh, slaps. Uh, admittedly, five and, my five and four stink because as Griffin and I talked about, it was almost impossible to find defensive players to put on the list. So, truth be told, my five and four almost entirely about injuries. My number five is David Ajabo. I get it. It's not fair to judge someone by injuries, but based on what we were hoping someone was going to be and what we wanted to see from a player to where we feel about them now, like I, in order to pick defensive players for this list, I was either going to have to measure by an impossible standard, like you've only been... Um, if I put Marlon, I could have put Marlon Humphrey on the list, right? Because he's only been good and not been otherworldly. Yeah. So that could have been enough. That's where we were at in choosing defensive players. David Ajabo was some. Remember, coming into the year, it was this is all going to come down to Adafi Owe and David Ajabo. The defense as a whole, because nobody had any idea that Jevion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy were going to be combining for 13 and a half sacks. Kyle Van Noy wasn't even on the team until like week four. Just about a PK. Nobody knew. So the entire defense was going to rest on dude Adafi Owe and David Ajabo take a step forward. And for the record, Adafi Owe has. Adafi Owe is starting to look like the guy that we thought Adafi Owe was supposed to become. That box is starting to be checked. It's, it's happening kind of quietly because it's being overshadowed by what other guys are doing. But Adafi Owe is starting to look like he might finally be panning out to be the guy that the Ravens wanted him to be. The Ajabo thing, unfortunately, because of injury, I'm not, I get it. The small 
sample size that we saw. We didn't really see, see him do anything. And unfortunately, then he got hurt and he's not on the field. And based on need, based on what you want. Remember, that was supposed to be a stolen first round pick yeah. from the Ravens. And now we're going to be two years in having no idea if it's even a helpful piece, if it's even something that you can feel good about moving forward. So that's why David Ajabo is my number five. Yeah, I mean, that was exactly where I went as well. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't yep. feel fair. It's not fair. But, uh, this is, but, this like, is the Florida State being left out of the playoff. It ain't fair. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but he has not He has not done anything since since uh, since being touted as a yep. first-round pick, and that is that, that is not what he's been. My, my number four was just as difficult. And, again, I don't even think he's playing poorly this year, but I do think that Marcus Williams has been impacted by playing with one arm. Mm. And so Marcus Williams is my number four. Marcus Williams as well. Oh, Consider maybe Rocky a sin, like just because he's, he's actually but like, played. But yeah, it's like when he's played, like, he's played kind of well. Like the numbers say, he has played well. That's been the difficult part with Rocky Sin. Uh, the other guy that I thought about was Trenton Simpson, just because he was an early round pick that hasn't been a factor whatsoever. But that's in part because of what's in front of him. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to find snaps when the guys that are in front of you are playing all the snaps, mm. but. Uh, I would say it's a little disappointing that Trenton said. Yeah. I guess particularly because the Ravens didn't have a second-round pick last year, so you were kind of hoping that you were, again, stealing a second-round talent in Trenton Simpson. And so you would have liked to have seen a little bit, just a little more flashes of like, oh, that guy could be a something. And we just we haven't even seen him on the field. Uh, so. The lowest-graded player, according to PFF, for yes. the Ravens. Would you want to get one defense? Defense? Yeah. To this point in the season? Yeah. Um... Man, is it a based on a number of snaps? Um, yeah, we can do guys that you know, like everyday players. I can, okay. I can base it off of that. Broderick Washington. It is Broderick Washington. He's really yeah. the only like there's like sixty is like their kind of like average. And I gotta tell He's you, the only guy on that 60. was one that I really thought about. Mm. And in hindsight, I really thought about because I was just reminded of the Cleveland game. You know what I mean? Like I was just reminded of, yeah, that was a mess. Yeah. Um. Probably should have put him on the list instead of one of these guys, but it's what it is. It's what it is. All right, my number three, Justin Tucker. So you're in luck, John Harbaugh. You avoid making the list. Y- you guys, you know, I, I'm in a weird place. I'm not trying to tell you that I don't think Justin Tucker's ever going to make another kick, but I can only react to what I've seen. And the standard of expectations for Justin Tucker has not come close to being met. And you could say, well, they're long kicks. The expectation from Justin Tucker is that he makes long kicks. That's what makes him valuable. So I don't really want to belabor it. We've been through it enough. Number three is Justin Tucker. My number three, I put Rashad Bateman here. Um, That's weird. I mean, he had the drops early in the season. He's been, I mean, he's a first round wide receiver. It is a crowded wide receiver room, but it's, it's been a very. Rashad Bateman has been wildly encouraging this year. Well, again, it was tough to, you know, it was, it was tough for me to. I don't think it was as players. difficult. Uh, offensively, yeah, not quite as difficult, but he's had big, significant drops in the year. I, I think if there weren't. Two and really good arguments on offense. I would listen to like the hey, I it's not a good one, but I I think there were two really good arguments offensively. I think frankly there were three. I think he's been better uh, of late, but you know Rashad Bateman definitely had a slow start to the season. And uh, we tell Beckham had a slow start to the season. He's thirty one. What? I mean, I, I hear you, but they gave him eighteen million dollars yeah, to play wide receiver this year. I, that's the the only one that's kind of stinky to me on your list. Like right. I don't think that I, Rashad Bateman in any way should be on this list. I have Bateman. Uh, my number two is Ronnie Stanley, and I'll get it that he's number one probably on a lot of people's lists. I think a little bit of that is recency bias, but there's no getting around it. Ronnie Stanley is not – It's again, we 
some of it is the standard. It's the comparison that I make to Justin Tucker. Like the standard of Ronnie Stanley is he's a top-notch left tackle. At times, it hasn't even been based on that standard. Sometimes it's just been poor. Like, just poor for any. And at times, it's been Alejandro Villanueva. Like, I, I, again, you hope that it's all just related to health and that he gets a bye week and he's Ronnie Stanley again the rest of the season. But we can't pretend like it's not what it is. Like, Ronnie Stanley has struggled when he's been on the field this year. It's been bad. Yeah. In um, yeah, I mean, he does. it doesn't seem like he is 100% either. He's my number two as well. Ronnie mm-hmm. Stanley is my number two. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's been healthy. It, it's it's frustrating that it doesn't seem like he has been 100% healthy. Um, but it, even if he was, I'm not sure what that what that would help, what, what that would look like. Would that turn him back into an all-pro? It doesn't really seem like it. It doesn't seem like there's much of what I mean, we I, saw a couple look, years I hope, ago. I hope, but, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, and the only reason why I feel bad about him being two and the guy that being number one is just because, again, the expectation is much more significant for Ronnie Stanley. But number one to me is Justice Hill, man. And I can't, mm. I can't, like, Justice Hill was, everything was set up for him to be. Take a big role. Correct. It was all there for Justice Hill to be this team's number two and almost 1B running back. And it stinks because in moments it looked like, it was happening for Justice Hill. When Justice Hill came out to do the Tyus Bowser show, I was like, yeah, this is great timing for this. Because that's at that point, it looked like this was going to be a big season for Justice Hill. And unfortunately, the mesh point stuff is just, it's unforgivable. Yeah. Like, it can't happen. And that it's continued to happen, it, it, it had to cost him snaps it had to you had no choice you couldn't continue to do this then add in that the thing that justice hill like the reason why they really wanted him back is is he's a really good pass pro running back right like he has proven to be when they needed him to chip because ronnie stanley was getting his ass kicked even his chipping wasn't helping like he got more snaps against the chargers and his chipping wasn't helping um i like justice hill i think justice hill has real talent it's just like the opera opportunity versus reality has not been, I don't think, bleaker for anyone on this team than it's been for Justice Hill this season. It's just been kind of unfortunate to watch it unfold the way that it has because I like, I really like Justice Hill. Not just like because he, you know, he's a good guy or enjoy conversations. I think he's a talented football player. I think he does a lot of things, but you just can't overcome this type of stuff. Like you can't overcome the mesh, the mesh point. You you can't get past that. So Justice Hill, because of the, de- the difference between opportunity and reality, Justice Hill's my number one. Yeah, uh, I was. He was the other one I was really close to. I think it's just because of you know my expectations for Bateman are, are much higher, and he has not. You know, he hasn't done. He hasn't done much. The, the Hill stuff is bad. I don't but think there's like, any comparison between these two guys. Just, just what shot Bateman was a first round receiver. I understand that, and he's played well. Yeah, he's, like, played, he's well. He has. He's played weeks, well. Yes, yes. Like he's played well. My number one. He did not escape my list. I put John Harbaugh as my number one here. That you know, I totally they, get it. They should be eleven and one. And it, like, number one is not the problem on you. Number three is the problem on your list. Number one is not the problem. Coming I get off it. the heels of the it. questionable decisions I, in the, it was I, a win over the, over the Chargers. But well, but still. it's but it's little things. It's yeah, exactly. it's that how does Zay Flowers not know, like to how how in the world. Did the fair catch happen against the Colts? Yeah. How is that possible? 
that it wasn't, I guess maybe it's ironic, but two of the, the things that we've questioned this year have both surrounded Zay Flowers and make you wonder if there is something else there. But, like, how could that be possible that Zay Flowers could take the field and not know that he needed to get that clock to the two-minute warning? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to take the fall for that. You're the head coach. That's the way it works. I got no problem with John Harbaugh being on your list. I have no problem, frankly, with him being number one on your list because I get it. He's the head coach. But Rashad Bateman over Morgan Moses could have been on the list too. Morgan Moses would I would have had would have made more sense to me than Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman's been helpful. Rashad Bateman's been a plus. Um, a couple other guys, unfortunately, not the case for. Um, continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. And again, I get it. It's a difficult list. Um, Proctor put a Dafe Owe on his slaps list. I mean, like I don't know what we're doing yeah. here. Again, I, I mean, it's this really tough. It's really tough. He also, tough he also put he also put Bateman on his list too. And it's like I feel like we're we're blanking on this. Like I feel like we're overthinking and thinking that like everybody's got to be a twenty sack guy or a thousand yard receiver. Like that's not the way that this works. If <laughs> if Rashad Bateman were the only wide receiver on the team and he was awful, then like we could have that conversation. The problem is. Rashad Bateman is not getting the same bulk, the same volume, and yet is still finding ways to be productive. So I, I just I'm befuddled by that choice. Um, he put Lamar at his number one on his laps. I don't think you're trying I mean, hard enough, Pry. I think you're just not trying. I hard can put enough. the Pittsburgh game. I, no, you can't. You tried that. He was the highest graded player in the NFL. You're just saying this goes back to yeah, the but same. he had the worst mistake. It doesn't matter. Rashad, my God, and now you're yeah, getting yeah. me see, all worked see, up. See, you get it. The, the, it. When you said it the first time, it was the dumbest thing you had ever said. Lamar Jackson was the best offensive player in football in the NFL that week. He made a bad throw. One. Call, yeah. He made a hey. bad throw. Okay. It's insanity that you try to think that the Pittsburgh thing was about Lamar Jackson in any way. We know what happened in the Pittsburgh game. We all know. We all watched the game. We saw it, we saw it with these eyes. It was everybody, unfortunately. So you can't even single out one guy and say the Pittsburgh game was Mark Andrews' fault or it was Rashad Bateman's fault or Zay Flat. It was all of them. All of them. A-L-L-O-F-U-M. All of them. Right, okay. You want our season-long uh, totals? I would like that. I would like that. We do a point system. Yes, based on so where. five points for you know the highest, our, our, our most slapped or most padded guy. Um, uh, but for both of us, our most padded player is, of course, Lamar Jackson, um, just by virtue of the position he plays. It's not just by virtue of the position that he plays. And he's really good. Th- that's like, he's really good, too. can't just say dumb things. I'm not saying like, dumb, Kenny I'm Pickett wouldn't it be well, Kenny Pickett wouldn't be the top of the list if we were doing this show in Pittsburgh. Stop. Well, yeah, I guess it'd probably be <laughs> Watt. Uh, your second player would be Probably be Watt. Yeah. I don't know where Kenny, I don't watch enough of the Steelers right. to know. Like, I don't know where Kenny some, Pickett would show up. He's, made a, he's completed some passes. Maybe. I don't know if there's a single offensive player you could. I don't know what Fryer you could do. Fryermuth yeah, would be, and Warren would be on the... the Fryermuth missed, like, half the season, so that's why... But in the games he's played. <laughs> um, my second highest, uh, so 11 points for both Van Noy and Matabike. For, so Matabike, okay. you, I had 11 for Van Noy. I've, liked, okay. I've, I've been always... Uh, Roquan has been my third. Okay. Zay is your third. Okay. And then uh, Zay is my fourth. Munkin is my fifth. Okay. And then your fourth and fifth is Munkin is fourth, and then Roquan. You obviously have a bunch of guys with seven points. Roquan, so funny. Jordan Stout, away. You had Mike McDonald number one on your yeah, list. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's like, well, also Kyle Hamilton. Like I've only, yeah, I think yeah. I've, Kyle Hamilton's only appeared once in my list, but it's because okay. his best games have, you know, been when they lose. Okay. 
And then from the other one, um, our most slap, my most slap. Well, we only have Lamar. three. That's the other. We only, yeah, have, we only have three, three games where we've done slaps, so it's really hard. to... Stevens is second on my list. Yeah, of course, Kenyon Drake is third Kenyon for his Drake. fumble in Indianapolis Kenyon in the Indianapolis Drake. game. Just got released by a second team. Uh, Harbaugh was your most slap player, slapped person. Makes sense. And then uh, followed by Lamar, and then Todd Monkey. All right, very good. That's Bateman is fourth on yours. For season-long pats and slaps. We'll get them up at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tidbit is brought to you today by the Tyus Bowser Show. We are back one week from tomorrow night. We should be in the next uh, day or so able to announce where we're going to be. One week from tomorrow night, December 12th, the next Tyus Bowser Show. Pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. It's brought to you by AJ Michael, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights memorabilia. We love doing the Tyus Bowser Show. Looking forward to getting back at it next week. Just didn't, if we did what tomorrow night, what would we be talking? There's no game. So we just figured we'd push it back another week. Yeah, just play, play games or something, you know. Do you like minute to win it games? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I don't I mean, I, I, we would have, trust me, we would have come up with plenty to talk about. I just think it would be better to have a football game to talk about. Uh, what you got for tidbit? Uh, Tidbit-wise. Oh, so Monday Night Football, the uh, Bengals, they have the worst record ever on Monday Night Football. I mean, that's not all that surprising. It's not. Like, the Bengals were very bad for a very long time, so it can't be all that surprising. They are 3-20 and all-time on Monday Night Football. They've also lost nine straight road games on Monday Night Football. Um, the last time they won a road game was week seven of the 1990 season. Apparently the Proctors had Mrs. Proctor's uh, office over to their house for a holiday gathering oh, okay. yesterday. And one of her co-workers' kids asked, quote, can you put on the Steelers game, unquote. And Proctor said, took a lot of effort not to just auto-reply, go F yourself, kid. <laughs> It sucks. The game also lasted six hours long. So we're all right, because there were two. It reminded me of that Ravens Bears game in Chicago. Mm-hmm. From the, the only time at the old radio station when I was doing post game for them, we only did one show ever on location. That show, straight shoot. The only on location show we ever did was the day of that Ravens Bears game that went until like six thirty because of the two weather delays in Chicago. Awful. Um, yeah, seeing what we're talking about yesterday, Demarcus Robinson scoring a touchdown reminded me of how horrible the receiving core was last year. Yeah, it was and not it was great. How <laughs> much was, better it feels it not this great. year that I can be slapping Rashad Bateman yeah, for being good for being like the fourth best receiver on the team right now. Um, well, the Patriots yesterday they lost six to zero. I had forgotten Chargers. that Demarcus Robinson was in Los Angeles. I had yeah, totally forgotten yeah. about that. Um, I had no clue until yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he was scoring a touchdown. It was crazy. Yeah. Patriots are the first team to lose three straight games despite allowing 10 or fewer points in each of those games. That last time that that happened was the Chicago Cardinals in the 1938 season when they lost uh, four straight games, allowing 10 or fewer points. Um, so Patriots chasing history next week. Next week, I don't know who they have. Or they have, it's Thursday Night Football against the Steelers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it probably God. will be. It probably will. They might. What is the total for that game? I gotta wander over God. to Superbook and find yeah, that out. That is gonna oh, be. Oh man, that's disgusting. We're gonna bet that under. <laughs> I know that much. I don't care if the number's twenty. We might bet the under. Uh, Raheem Mostert scored. Uh, Devon Achan had another good game yesterday too. But Mostert had uh, scored a touchdown as well. Not good enough. <laughs> Not good enough, really. Yeah. Jeez. Hang on. What did I? What I? I got screwed. I wasn't by gonna a read things. this stat. I got. I got to read the Achan stat that I had from yesterday. Um. So Achan has played more than five snaps in four games this season. 
in those four games, his yardage totals are 233, 120, 165, 103, and he has scored four touchdowns, two touchdowns, one touchdown, two touchdowns in those four games where he's played at least five snaps. So HN, pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, ESPN Fantasy app is not helping me much. I don't even want to tell you. Refreshing lives. I don't want to know. <laughs> also, I was I was down by like 40 going into last night, and all I had left was Christian Watson. So I'm like, all right, well, I can go to bed. And then like he had just a good enough game that I was like, all right, maybe I... Nope. I need uh, Ridley to outscore Chase by... F- or I need Chase to not score, not outscore Ridley by 40 points tonight. So I think I'm okay, but it, like, it is Jamar Chase, but it's Jake Browning, so I should be okay. Um, I ended up losing by 12. He got mm-hmm. Christian Watson got me 28, but needed 12 more. I'm seeing an over under of 30 and a half, I believe, yeah. right now for Thursday night football. Uh, HN got me 20. Again, it was a pretty good day all around, except I had to start Fryermuth at tight end. Mm, yeah, and then yeah, that the best didn't, player that didn't work. Do. That didn't work out. Didn't work out. So, so Mostert has scored 16 touchdowns this season. Uh, he was undrafted, of course, in 2015, out of. Raheem Mostert was out of. Oh God, I do know this. Do Hang you? on, I do know I didn't this. Know. No, I know this, but only because I think it's come up here before. Mostert was. Oh God! All right, tell me. Uh, Big Ten school. Per oh right yeah Purdue, Purdue. Yeah, I did know that uh, he becomes the fifth player to be undrafted and score 16 touchdowns in a season position player. Um. Do you have? Do you want to try to guess the other four? Is a lot. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to. But there's four others. Um, well, I'm gonna guess that like Shannon Sharp never had 16. No, he didn't. Uh, First player on this list. He actually uh, was a former Raven. Brief Raven. Brief Raven, undrafted. I think he did it. Brief with the Raven, undrafted. Brief Raven, undrafted. Man. Yeah, he was undrafted by the Ravens. He did this with his second team, not the Ravens. Oh, my God. Undrafted in 1977 out of Texas, Priest Holmes. Well, it's definitely not 1977. What, what, 97. Didn't yeah. I say 97? No, you I said 77. Okay. Uh, uh, also on this list. But I should have gotten that. That's my. That's on me. I th- should have gotten that. Three more running backs on this list. LeGarrette Blunt. Okay. Arian Foster. And Austin Eckler. On this list, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. um, and then, uh, so Tyreek Hill yesterday scored his 20th and 21st career touchdown of 60 plus yards yesterday. There are now three players. Good, good thing the Commanders 21. got that defense fixed. Yeah. Gosh, they are. Uh, yeah, they're they're, they're a good. Uh, they're a good. Whenever you are matched up with the Commanders in fantasy, that, that is a must start. Um, there are three players with 21 or more I touchdowns. I wonder if I had the second most points in the league this week because I had 147. Like I didn't have a bad week in our league in in the press box league. I'm gonna I'm going against third. Paul. Mo- I had the third most points in the league. Paul and I are gonna far and away have the most points scored yeah. this week, and I think I'm gonna lose because he's. I think got, it's the o- I think it's the only league I think it's the only league I'm winning in this week is the press box league. Um. All right. Yeah, so sorry. name the players with more 60 yard 60 touchdowns yard than touchdown. Tyreek Hill. There's three of them. Three of them. More 60. Randy Moss. Randy Moss is not on this list. I mean, he was a red zone threat, yeah. but he still broke a lot. That's right. why I'm a little bit surprised. Um, and they're receiving specifically. Uh, they anyway, oh. 60 yard touchdowns. So, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is on this list. He is second, second most, 23, 60 yard touchdowns. Ha ha, Proctor, I got it before you did. Son of a bitch. 
Uh, most 60-yard touchdowns. How about Barry Sanders? Not Barry Sanders. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. Uh, Probably has a lot of 50 yards. How about... How about Marshall Falk? Not Marshall Falk. How about... Terrell Owens. Not Terrell Owens. Marvin Harrison. Not Marvin Harrison. All right, I'm struggling. John Proctor says Tory Smith. <laughs> Got 60-yard pass interferences. He'd probably be at the top of the list. Uh, man. How about... I, I'm guessing there's a running back because you told me that... Uh, there is not a running back. Not well, ahead of Why me. did you... Well, because they, 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 they weren't necessarily scored on a uh, oh, receiving touchdown, be... but... So somebody could a wide receiver could run one in. Yes, or return one. Oh, returned. So Steve Smith. Uh, not Steve Smith. Who else would have had a return touchdown? Who else would have returned it? Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, number wow. one on this list, twenty-six. Wow. That shouldn't count. Touchdowns. Yeah. That shouldn't count. Um. All right, and then the guy that uh, he is tied. Tyreek Hill is tied with this guy Hill for twenty-one sixty-yard touchdowns. Devin Hester. Devin Hester. This yeah. is stupid. This what? is a stupid list. No, it's a good list. All re- I don't. It's a dumb, dumb list. All right. Um, Proctor says, "Oh, because I didn't make the trivia playoffs on Saturday." He said one of the questions was, "Name the two father-son duos to play an MLB game for the same team." Well, we know the Griffies. The Griffies and. And the other one's the Orioles because it was the Tim Raines and Tim Raines. Remember, the Orioles did a wacky bit. Did not remember this. The Orioles, <laughs> this is a straight shoot. Tim Raines Jr. was a September call-up. And they had like pre, I don't remember what team Tim Raines Sr. was playing for at that point, but they had pre-arranged that if he got to the bigs, like whatever crap team Tim Raines was playing for at that point would would release him and allow him to sign with the Orioles for like the final week of the season so that they could play on the what same year team. year was this? this was... I think it was 20, 2001. Oh, okay. This, if I remember correctly, because it was also when Cal Ripken was playing his final games, and it was like the, you know, the subplot was this other... Let me make sure I have <laughs> the this The right. Reigns. Tim the Reigns, Reigns family. Senior. Tim Reigns. Make sure I have the timing on this right. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't there, Proctor. That's a real shame. Um, I, I mean, I actually am bummed that I wasn't there. Uh, team, blah 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 blah. All right, so on August, um, yes, on October third, the Expos traded Reigns to the Baltimore Orioles, thereby permitting Reigns to play in a major league game with his son. On October 4th, Reigns Jr. played center field and Reigns Sr. played left field for Baltimore, becoming the second father and son team to play for the same major league team, a feat previously accomplished by the Griffies. Nice. So it wasn't even... It wasn't even... That's it, beautiful. It was, it was like one game. One game at the end of the 2001 season. The Expos traded Tim Reigns to Baltimore so that he could do that. That's the story. Well, good job. You would have gotten it. Yeah, I would have, but I wasn't there. Tubular is brought to you today by Superbook. So, yeah, let's check out that uh, that total for Thursday night. The number currently sits at 30 and a half. It's a low number. Not low enough, Not though. low enough. Not low enough. I'm on it. I am betting the under. 
And if you want to as well, sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app and use the code GlennClark23. When you do, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Again, Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Here's what's coming up tonight. Monday Night Football, Jaguars... Bengals. So are we? We're not rooting for the Bengals. I mean, I I had this conversation on one hundred five seven the fan last okay. week. I did. I can. I acknowledge the better result for the Ravens is the Bengals winning. I am not rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. It is not hard to figure this out. <laughs> I am not going to cheer. So it's a win-win. Tonight. If Jamar Chase scores a touchdown. Oh yeah, no way. That's not going to happen. But at the end of the game. If it is to break the hearts of... If the Bengals somehow end up winning 27-24, to then I'm going to tip my cap and acknowledge that ultimately that was a better result for the Ravens than if the Jaguars were to have beaten the Bengals. It's You can say, oh, you're, you're, you're copping. No, it's not hard. If it was somebody else, like if the Jaguars were playing the um, it was an, a non-threatening NFC team, Jaguars are playing the Vikings tonight. I'd be openly rooting for the Vikings. I would feel good when the Vikings would score. It's not going to happen with the Bengals, but I know what the better result is for the Ravens. The better result would be somehow tonight being the night that Jake Browning throws for 300 and right, looks competent. Then you'd say, well, then you wouldn't be worried that they would uh, suddenly come to life. The Ravens have already distanced themselves from the Bengals in the AFC North. I am not concerned about the Bengals. They've got a uh, multiple game lead and the tiebreaker. Not worried about the Bengals in the AFC North. So, no. The better result is the Ravens. For the Ravens is the Jaguars losing. That being said, the Ravens still play the Jaguars, and if they lose that game, it ain't going to matter what happened tonight. So, just the reality. Let's not overreact to anything about this game. Uh, I guess there's a Manning cast because it's got it listed as ABC, ESPN, and ESPN 2. 8-15. Big Ten Hoops tonight. Iowa-Purdue at 7 o'clock as... Jeremy mentioned the in-season tournament quarterfinals. Go Pelicans. Uh, they play the Kings tonight at 10 on TNT. Oh, no. Before that, Celtics like Pacers at 7.30. Monumental for Capitals, Coyotes at 9, and the USA Network for WWE Raw tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Well, following WWE Raw and USA Network will be Barmageddon, ah, of course. I love Barmageddon. They're also having a, a special on the Bartacular on NBC oh, the at, 10 o'clock. Yeah, at 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, it's going to so Blake Shelton's holiday Bartacular. Yes. Ice tea. The moment we've been waiting for. The Bartacular. That'll be on NBC. Fallon's going to have Dua Lipa, Benis, Benny Safdie, and Brad Paisley. Tonight. What's Safdie promoting? I think is? The Curse because he's a Oh, producer. that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes. The Curse. The curse. Um, I watched Emma Stone on Saturday Night Live. How was it? I did not. I think like she's a, a good host. I thought this one was only kind of okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, nothing else. That's Bar- it. Barmageddon is your big. It's a big one. Big. big. Well, we're big watching football tonight, so what are we doing? We're watching. Or, or the football. in-season tournament, yeah. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, thanks today to Adam Frazier. Thanks also to Jacob Calvin Meyer and to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. I thought maybe you had a stroke there for a second. Make sure I got close enough. Uh, tomorrow on the program, of course, all the regular Tuesday stuff. We'll preview Waiver Wire Wednesday. We will, with uh, our buddy Joe Serpico, we will. To talk Terps and college hoops with Patrick Steele. Indiana's a good team. Sure. They actually weren't a good team. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. I know. <laughs> and uh, we will discuss uh, championship weekend in uh, high school football uh, from this past weekend with our, our buddy um, Wes Brown from County Sports Zone as well. Anything else? Uh, stuff okay, and stuff and things. Stuff and Great. Things. We will work on that. 
Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. We're not saying go Bengals. We're no, not going to get that out of it. That's not. not happening. But again, we'll acknowledge if it occurs. Duke sucks. <laughs>